Metallica, here they come, the kings of metal. It's me, David Mustaine, and you're listening to Metal Up Your Podcast. Nice story. Welcome to the Middle Up Your Podcast. I'm Ethan Luck. And I'm Clint Wells. This is episode 184, and we are having a great conversation with our friend Brandon over at Metallicast this week. Yeah, for those of you who are sort of part of this whole podcasting universe centered around Metallica, there are a lot of us out there. We all know Tom Quee at Alpha Metallica. We've got Ryan Downey at Speaking Destroy. We've got the, the, the hilarious dudes over at Metallichat. Some of the newer ones, uh, I think there's one called No Life Till Metallica. There's uh, in Podcast for All. But then, of course, part of the original big four or five of non-Bay Area podcasting is Brandon <laughs> at Metallicast. And uh, he's based out of Connecticut. He's a cool dude. He's a music teacher and a father. He loves the band. And we've been friends ever since he came on the scene. A couple of summers ago, I was a guest on his show talking about To Live Is To Die from Justice. And uh, we've been talking about doing a crossover jam for a while. I want to do a crossover sitch with all the other Metallica podcast out there, and uh, we we see all of these people as friends and allies, and uh, it's such a treat to be able to talk to them and 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 share some of our fans and some of our stories and all that stuff. So that's what this episode is. We are going to hear a little bit from him about his uh, album rankings and his top ten Metallica songs currently, which there were some pretty interesting surprises on his there list. Was some cur- yeah, curveballs for sure. Some stuff that I I really didn't even consider. Uh, in in the Metallica world of all their songs. And uh, yeah, definitely uh, took me by surprise. On it was basically the mechanics, the mechanics, the mechanics, the mechanics, the mechanics. I think it's top five yeah. of the mechanics. Exactly. Which I hadn't which counted is, on. Yeah, so. I, that, that was the biggest, that was like a knuckleball. Well, um, it is good to see you. This is, good we're sort of catching up here after the interview. We're doing this remotely. We're being safe. Yeah. And uh, I'm wearing a Michael Jordan Birmingham Barons number 45 baseball jersey. You are so, with, with with your Jordan hat too. So that's just basically a place, you know, if someone was asking me how I was doing mentally, that's how I would answer them. And I think it says a lot. Just, yeah, you just send them a picture of your outfit. Like, how you doing? Like, really? How you really doing? I'm like, well, I'm wearing a Michael Jordan 1994 Birmingham Barons number 45 baseball <laughs> jersey. Love it. So anyway, we are an All Metallica podcast. If you uh, if you don't know that by now, I don't know how you got here or what you're doing here, but you're going to enjoy it if you stick around, I think, maybe. I think we hope. Uh, we're going to hit some news here. So interesting. We've had an interesting week, right? Probably the most uh, fascinating and titillating news since lockdown, yeah. maybe since Blackened 2020, which was a pretty exciting week. But the boys posted some videos. They are all together at HQ rehearsing. Super exciting. So, obviously, 
Metallica nerds the world over, including us, were speculating, wanting to know what's going on. They're together. They were rehearsing Creeping Death. And then they put out another video of them playing Blackened. They're wearing masks, except for James. Uh, this happened all on the socials, right? We, we sort of honed in on the fact that Rob has a music stand that seems to have a set list. Mm-hmm. I'm told that over on the uh, forums, which I haven't really visited the forums in a while, but I'm told that over there, someone enhanced that photo and was able to see the set list. Yeah. And it's mostly like greatest hits, creeping death, fade to black, inner Sandman, nothing else matters. True. Then the boys wrote something else about Howard Stern and Sirius radio. Um, so, and then right before we recorded this episode, someone sent us a thing saying that their Metallica is going to be doing a live stream for drive-in movie theater. So help me put all this together. Help me put all these pieces together, bro. What's going <laughs> on a, over there at HQ? There's a lot happening. It sounds like they, they, they've had a, a few things planned, and now they've all descended upon the Bay Area at HQ1 with a limited crew, it looks like, according to the videos a little bit. Um, and they're just about to, you know, they're rehearsing and about to roll out all these ideas, you know, and everything from doing an appear, a stream appearance on Howard Stern uh, to this drive-in movie theater thing, which... Depending on when that is, that could be kind of fun to do. The only downside is the closest drive-in theater to either of us is out in Watertown, Tennessee, which is about 45, 50 minutes away. Dude, we should still go. We should totally. I didn't even think about that. We should go. It'd be fun if, if, they're, doing, if they're doing it there. Right. I'm not sure yet. I don't think it's going to be every drive-in theater in the country, but uh, probably select ones in different areas. They may be doing a big announcement tomorrow. As of this recording, it's Sunday evening on the 9th, and... They may announce it tomorrow, but the only thing we know is someone sort of did a, you know, some mild Sherlock Holmes shit where there was like a preview page on YouTube that that sort of advertised Metallica's doing these drive-in shows. So, and I you think know, Live Nation put out an email about oh, about did they? It or something. Okay. I think yeah, because the same person that sent us that info sent it to me uh, uh, separately as well. Okay, and I was like, "What on earth is this?" I was just so confused at first. <laughs> what on earth is this? And uh, he said that they found out mainly through Live Nation. So. Okay. Cool. Well, you know, as usual, we're sort of the one-stop shop for Metallica news and information. So if you want to follow us on the socials, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Spotify, YouTube, we are sort of riffing all week on what's going on with the boys, our opinions. We're retweeting the Metal Up Your Podcast community, etc. If you like the show, you can leave a positive review on iTunes. Really can't stress how simple that is for you to do and how important it is for us as a podcast. Uh, mm-hmm. you can even just leave five stars and not even write anything, but it only takes a second. You can find all the links for that in the description of however you receive this podcast. And we also have a Patreon, which of course everyone does. Um, yep. but it's important, especially for people like Ethan and I who rely on this kind of support now in such a strange time. It's basically our only income. Right. Um, we never, we never started this podcast for it to be our job ever. And it was always just a way to put more money into the show. But now it really has become, you know, a part of our lives that we depend on. So yeah. if you are willing and able and you've and if and really only if I, you know, if you think the show has value, if you're if you're listening to this podcast every week and it's your favorite podcast and it brightens up your Monday and all that fun stuff. And if you're willing and able, you know, supporting us on Patreon is is the right thing to do, I think, if you can, mm-hmm, yeah. if you can swing it. So it's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash Metal Up Your Podcast. We do have a commercial for it. And not only that, but you get a whole bunch of shit over there. A ton of stuff. You get a whole bunch of albums and cover EPs of Metallica and bonus content. So if you can do it, awesome. If not, no big deal. We did get three new patrons. I want to say hello to them and thank you. Anthony Broom, Body Rot, and Donnie Minshall. Yeah. What the world thank you all. That is awesome. now. 
is patron, sweet patron. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Now, we have not done this in a while, but we've been getting a lot of requests for merch. So we started a new EverPress campaign. What's an EverPress mm-hmm. campaign? It's the way that we do our T-shirts. It's really good for this time because EverPress basically... They make the shirts, they ship the shirts, they deal with everything with the shirts. They ship internationally, so we don't have to make a $600 order of shirts, have them all sit in my garage until we sell off 50 of them. Mm-hmm. They're made to order. Uh, the link for it is in our socials, and it's only a limited time. As of you guys hearing this episode, there are only 11 more days for you to order your Dagger logo Metal Up Your Podcast t-shirt. That's right. So go get on that. Ethan has another uh, podcast called The Pirate Satellite. That you just restarted, kind of re- just revamped it. My first episode will come out uh, as of today uh, in two days on Wednesday, and it's uh, my buddy named Nate Bergman, who is an awesome musician, great solo artist, and from a band called Lion Eyes. And you can and you can get that anywhere you get podcasts, right? So correct. Yeah. Go check out the Pirate Satellite. My other podcast is called I'm Okay. You're okay. oh god, I'm okay. You're okay. I'm not okay. You're not okay. We obviously Yay. crushed it titling that. <laughs> now that's with me and my friend Bob Schneider, a musician based out of Austin, Texas, who I toured with for like seven or eight years. And there are new episodes every Monday and Thursday morning. I want to say thanks to patron By- uh, Brian, who we dubbed Lord Byron. Lord Byron. He sent us a blackened whiskey bottle, Batch 99, signed by Lars Ulrich. I've heard of him. Drummer for Megadeth. That is honestly, yeah, the th- seventh drummer of Megadeth. Uh, that's honestly one of the most generous things that a uh, listener has sent us. It's really, really uh, touching gift. So thank you so much. Yeah, it's super cool, Brian. Thank you so much. Now, we're going to knock out a few emails here before we talk to our friend Brandon at Metallicast. You can email us, show at gmail.com. We read all of them personally. We respond to as many as we can. Although, honestly, that is getting a little harder to do, to actually respond to a lot of these. But then we read five or six uh, on every episode. So will yours be read on the show? Who knows? Send us the email and uh, get in our ears. Go follow us on the socials. Come be a part of what's so cool about the Metal Up Your Podcast family. And we'll dip in now to what we lovingly refer to as the email portal. All right, our first email is from Graham Smith. He says, what's up, brothers? Uh, Clint, I really enjoyed your radio episode. Listen to it while uh, sitting in my garden with a few beers on a sunny evening in Coventry, England, New Jersey. Uh, your new songs are, uh, uh, your, sorry, your new songs are beautiful, not depressing at all. The Lunar Satan Jam rocks, of course, honey, please. That's all. Peace and love from Graham. Cool. Yeah, I did a, the first Metal Up Your Podcast radio episode in five months. Dang, man. I got to bust one of those out this week. You absolutely do. And I played all the songs I've been writing during lockdown. And it was a fun thing. It was an Ask Me Anything. So I got about 30 questions from listeners of Metal Up Your Podcast all about all sorts of shit. Michael Jordan and Metallica and music and the music industry and COVID and politics and religion. If you like that sort of thing, it's our last episode. Go check it out. Thanks, Graham. I'm glad you dug it, dude. Thank you for the compliment about the songs. And by the way, speaking of Lunar Satan. Yeah. The debut Lunar Satan song, the first song I ever wrote for the Lunar Satan project called We Ride the Skies is being mixed this week by one Mr. Paul Moak, Esquire. Paul. Paul? That's amazing. I can't wait to hear uh, Paul's touch on that thing. Dude, not only that, but Chris Cockamese, the guy who played bass on it, who he works for the bass channel, this like bass channel. He totally surprised me with this. We're going to link this in our socials, but 
he sent me a video. It's an hour long, and it's five different bass players playing different bass lines to We Ride the Skies. Whoa. And it's because the premise of the video is like how different bass players approach writing a bass line or so he just he had the um he had the bounce of the song with no bass which i sent him so he could play bass to it right but he had this idea of what if i sent this bassless version of we ride the skies to five different bitch and bass players that's and awesome they recorded it they, re- they recorded the tone they talked about how they approach each section of the song they're all completely different and Whoa. all completely badass dude i can't wait to hear it it's and really it. really cool so it really gave me a lot of encouragement to get this Lunar Satan shit just tight and right and done. Heck yeah, man. That's great. All right. Thanks, Graham. I appreciate that. Heath Teddy writes in, hey, guys, just want to let you know, uh, I listened to both parts of your Some Kind of Commentary episodes. I really enjoyed them. It was like Mystery Science Theater 3000 does Metallica, which we've heard <laughs> that before, right? Yeah, I'll take it. Uh, he says, Some Kind of Monster, in my opinion, is the greatest rock doc ever made. I always take something new away from it. Listening to you guys, I came to the realization that the reason things were so strained between James and Jason is that Jason was a constant reminder to James that Cliff was gone. That's not Jason's fault, nor James's for that matter, but the guys had to audition bass players the day after they buried Cliff. I just don't think they gave themselves time for those wounds to heal. and not doing so, they inadvertently put Jason in a box he could never get out of as long as he was in the band. You add in touring the world, making records, blowing up into the biggest band in the world, money, booze, drugs, women, egos, etc. That's a recipe for disaster. He says, Jason had to quit the fucking band, period, exclamation point. <laughs> I mean, it's fucking so pathetic. It's just, this, this is like sandbox shit. This is like when I see my fucking, my kid argue with his friend over who gets to fucking play with a lightsaber. Seriously. This is the fucking sandbox. Well, he's wounded. Huh? He's wounded. Yeah, but, you know, it's up to him to mend himself, and we're giving him every opportunity. He fucking left the band! He fucking left the band! Which part of that is... Hello? (laughs) Do you know what I mean? He fucking left the band! I mean, period! Exclamation point! Which part of that is forgotten? I, I just... Which part of that got left out of the equation. The fuck did we turn into the bad guys? I don't understand that part. He fucking left the fucking band. Jesus Christ. To make James respect him, and I think James does respect him now that he's sober and wiser with age, with all that said, with respect to Jason's numerous contributions to the band, I'm under the firm belief that Rob Trujillo helped save Metallica. Case in point, the two albums he's played on have been the band's best in decades, I don't think that's a coincidence. Keep up the good work and zone it, Heath. Zoning it hard over here, Heath. Well, I will say it's their only two records in decades. <laughs> I mean, yeah. They take a long time to make albums. I mean, I agree with that. Rob is the guy for the job now. Yeah. James or uh, Jason, so many things swirled together for that to be this weird, perfect storm. He was this crazy scapegoat. And of course, he could never really fill Cliff's shoes, and he was never really forgiven for that. Right. I, I actually recently re rewatched the um did you ever see this even when they were doing the puppets box set? They did this big interview with, with um uh, uh David Frick, the Rolling Stone guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's great. It's really cool. Like I think they had Michael Wagner kind of bounce in there and maybe yeah. Fleming bounced in there. Fle- Fleming did too, yeah. They did it in Europe. It's in Europe and it's at it's in a tuning room. Yeah. They sort of reconfigured a tuning room and it's sort of a 
deep dive into into puppets, maybe an hour long combo. And I listened to it when it came out, but I recently revisited it, revisited it while I was cooking or something. And James says some pretty interesting stuff about that. He's like, he basically says like, we, oh no, sorry, this was them talking about justice, the justice box. Set. Oh, that was justice, yeah. Um, James is saying, you know, we never really forgave him for being a fan. I thought that was a really fascinating. He was like, yeah. He's like, we we just always didn't like that he was such a big fan. And it really bothered me because I'm like, well, you hired him. You knew the deal. (laughs) And you're mad at him because he loved you so much. It's just weird. Yeah. But I get his point, too, where he's like, Cliff kind of couldn't be bothered. And that was what was so cool about him. Cliff wouldn't even show up to the airport to fly out (laughs) to make the fucking album. Totally. Because they're like, hey, are you going to come to LAX or wherever they were? And he's like, no, you guys just... You guys just argue about drum sounds for the first week anyway. I'm going to stay here and eat Mexican food with my girlfriend. They're like, okay, yeah. well, that's Cliff. <laughs> and he said, and another thing that had less to do with personality and more to do with playing is he was like, you know, Jason was always like this huge student of like wanting to mimic the rhythm. They were like, we want, we, what we loved about Cliff was he always did something weird. Yeah, for so sure. So he talks about how they would get frustrated with Jason in a recording sitch talking about justice, right? And what might have been a little weird about the lack of bass on justice where he's like, Jason just always stuck to the riff and we were always trying to get him to, he basically was like, we just wanted him to be Cliff and he wasn't Cliff. Right, right. Which wasn't his fault, but at the time that they were 23 year old dummies, just all that, all that sort of negative shit energy got, did get pushed onto Jason for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for absolutely. For sure. Anyway. All right. Our next email is from James. (laughs) There's no last name, so we can only assume it's, it's Hetfield. He said, uh, guys, really enjoy the Rain and Blood episode. Like you, I much prefer when they go halftime. For that reason, you must do their South of Heaven album. It's similar to Seasons in the Abyss in terms of tempo and groove riffs, and just as good. Enjoy. James Potter. Oh, Potter. There he is. It's not Hatfield. Confirmed. Not Hatfield. That's actually Harry Potter's dad. James Potter. It's, yeah, James Potter. Um, what do you think about South of Heaven? Is that our next Slayer album uh, to investigate? Sh- it, it, sure. Uh, that, that, that's something I can't really... Uh, speak on i don't think i can't tell you when i listened to south of heaven last but um but if it's more in that in that groovy territory then i'd be probably more apt to listen to it than rain and blood but since but since rain and the blood was our last uh explore the big four we have to cycle through megadeth and anthrax yes for sure which we do later in a later email um we do have someone mentions another anthrax album so yeah all right cool thanks james potter Thank you. Tell Harry I said hello and cheerio, mate. <laughs> uh, Andy Salter writes in, Hey, lads, just finished the Clint Ask Me Anything episode. I sometimes disagree with Clint on things, and as a listener of both Metal Up Your Podcast and the Not Okay Podcast, I notice Clint finds something he loves and throws himself into it, like Bob Dylan, Michael Jordan, etc. I watched The Last Dance and thought, yeah, that was good, and moved on with my day. But the way he explained how these things were something to grab onto when he was feeling depressed or hopeless really struck a nerve with me as I know that feeling very well. When you feel lost and find yourself not feeling joy and constantly feel like you have a black cloud following you around and asking yourself, why can't I just feel happiness anymore? Finding something that will give you a sense of hope and enjoyment that you can throw yourself into and be passionate about is super important. At the moment, I'm going through the very same sense of hopelessness and hearing the episode really helped me to not feel so alone and that someone you're a fan of is going through those very same emotions. So thanks, Mr. Wells. I'm now looking for my Michael Jordan and something to grab onto in these dark days. I just found my old drawings and art I did in high school and remembered how much joy they gave me uh, that I might throw myself back into that. 
Thank you to Ethan for, well, just being Ethan. <laughs> You're welcome. Anyway, stay safe and take care of each other. Andy Salter, Gold Coast, New Jersey. That's cool, Andy. Well, Andy, hang in there, of course, and definitely find your Michael Jordan, man. If, if that means it, it is getting back into painting, then by all means do it. You know, this is this is a weird world that literally everybody is living in this crazy, messed up time, and it's it's not helping mental health at all. So if you're... Uh, you find something, you're Michael Jordan, as you said, and uh, man, hang on to it and run with it because it'll it'll definitely help. And it doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't matter if it's sports, if you're not a sports person, or if it's art, if you're not an art person, if it's if it's some pop artist or pop record, if it's a fucking Madonna song that you like. Yeah. It just doesn't matter anymore. Whatever it is, find it and hold on to it for sure. Yeah. Clint's Michael Jordan just happens to be Michael Jordan. I got lucky in that regard. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and not Michael B. Jordan, the actor, the, the right. athlete. You're, you're Michael Jordan might, might be Michael B. Jordan, the actor from Black Panther. And, and Creed. And Creed 2. He was also in Creed and Creed 2, and he was in the band Creed. That's right. He co-wrote with Arms Wide Open. <laughs> he did. Him and Mark Tremonti co-wrote that one. Uh, <laughs> anyways. Well, Andy, hang in there, buddy, and thanks for the email. Uh, next email is from Joe. He says, hey, guys, I just listened to your, uh, your episode of Top 10 Metallica albums. Here are mine. Number 10, Kill em All. Kill, wow. Kill em All? Kill em All. Sorry, I'm not much of a fan of it. Okay, that's interesting. Um, number 9, Load. Number 8, Reload. Oh, sorry, Clint. Number 7, Death Magnetic. Number 6, St. Anger. There it is. Boom. Number 5, Hardwired. Number 4, Ride the Lightning. Number 3, Justice. Number 2, Master. And number 1, The Black Album. He says, thanks, guys. Hope you're staying safe during these times. Take care. Joe from New Jer- Florida, New Jersey. Not New wow. Jersey, dude. Dude, you know what? People from New Jersey like St. Anger. <laughs> they do. Even though, you know, Brandon will get into where his is, but uh, he, he he showed some love for it. Right. All right. Next email from Peter Lynch. Hi, Clinton, Ethan. Hope you and your families are well. I've been fiddling with my jukebox, and that was just your life came on. Had a very nice guitar solo in it from old Kirky Kirk. I only just finished listening to the second part of the Some Kind of Monster commentary episode. And it reminded me of the solos are outdated, and Kirk said, well, no, it will date the album, which well apart from Lars's kettle drums, it did date the album. I agree. Yeah. I got really excited and thought a Metallica song without a solo is not a Metallica song. Hope the world gets back to normal. Hopefully the blessing in disguise is maybe the guys can produce an album in isolation, which, by the way, our new metal band called Album in Isolation. Good night, Dark Continent. We are Album in Isolation. <laughs> I think you guys should do a commentary on Anthrax's Stomp 44-2. 442? Oh, yeah, some 442, yeah. I think it would have to be the heaviest, their heaviest album. He says Dimebag R.I.P. heavily influenced the album, and it features John Bush. Also, they produced a double version, which had John Bush singing Joey Belladonna songs. Love you guys. Peace and adios. Peter from Caboolture, New Jersey. I, I haven't listened to that Anthrax record in a while, but uh, it, it, it Why is... Why is it called it Stomp cool 442? What a title. I, I, I don't remember why it was called Stomp 442, but... Uh, um. Yeah, and you know John Bush, great singer. Uh, that's a really cool era of Anthrax. But uh, yeah, that'd be, I would love to run through that record. Okay, well maybe that might be the next one because we we oh did we decide are we doing Risk or Cryptic Writings for Megadeth next? And we might have to. It might be a coin toss. Risk is going to be. I think there's going to be some fatigue involved in that for sure. Uh, <laughs> cryptic Writings might be the smarter choice. Okay. I think Risk might be good for humor's sake because it's not a great record but i don't know we'll it, is cryptic writings before or after risk before it's before risk so yeah that's yeah. right so people were saying cryptic writings is like the load reload and risk is like saint anger is that correct yeah. is that sort of the analogy yeah, I, th- people were doing? I think so yeah i think so all right we have one more email and i save this for last because it is a beautiful email from our friend namarda and we wanted to just 
take a moment, carve this time out. And uh, so, Ethan, if you'll do the Anna's. I shall. Now, Marta says, hey, guys, great news to share with my Metal Pure Podcast family. I found out today that I don't, I don't have cancer. Uh, I had a mole that was suspicious for uh, melanoma, and it's all clear. While waiting for my results, I spent a lot of time binging on Metal Pure Podcast episodes. So I just want to say thank Thank you guys for all the content and giving me something to look forward to. Much love, Namarto. Well, that's great news. I'm going to clap for that. I'm clapping for that. Absolutely. That is amazing. Congratulations, Namarta. That's a super scary thing to be worried about. I'm glad that the results came in negative and that you're healthy. And and I'm glad that you thought to share it with us and that maybe us two knuckleheads talking about Metallica helped you get through some of that crazy in-between time. A, it's our pleasure. And B, we're we're just thankful that Someone that puts so much time and and, uh, and thought just even into listening to our show, uh, be willing to share something like that with us, and we're so happy for you that you're in the clear. Cool. You can write in metal up your podcast show at gmail.com. We will read it on the show. We will read it in person privately, and we will respond to it if we have time. Of course. Of course we will. Well, what do you say we go uh, talk to Brandon over at Metallicast? Down. Let's do it. You're really good at that. Hey everyone, this is Ethan and Clint. We're here to tell you about supporting the show via Patreon. That's right. Every week, Ethan and I work hard to bring you the best Metallica content possible. If you think the show has value, consider supporting us on a financial level at Patreon. For $5 a month, or the price of two cups of coffee, you can ensure that Metal Up Your Podcast continues to grow in quality and content. But that's not all. In addition to being able to help sleep at night for supporting your favorite podcast, we've also come up with incentives to say thank you that are exclusively available to patrons. For example, for a pledge of $5 or more, you immediately get free downloads of every cover our world black and ep ticket giveaways for shows like snm2 and slain castle box sets rare vinyl metallica memorabilia like snm2 guitar picks email priority meaning we'll read your email first on the show the chance to ask guests like hailstorm jay weinberg of slipknot and metallica row crew your very own questions and the opportunity to come on the show as a guest for our metal tales bonus episodes in which you can tell us all about any Metallica show you've been to in the past. All this and more for becoming a patron and supporting Metal Up Your Podcast. We couldn't do this show without you, and to everyone on the ride with us, we sincerely thank you. Peace. Adios. Alright, well here we are with Brandon of Metallicast, one of the other Several now, the playing field's gotten quite large here of other Metallica podcasts based out of Connecticut, and I've been on Brandon's show before. I would I would say that out of all the ones that we have now, Brandon is part of the OG, like, is it the big four of Metallica podcasts, right? Because <laughs> I think there are like seven or eight now. Did we? I get. I guess we get referred to as the big four a lot, yeah. Kind of a, the, the initial wave, I guess. I was on the tail end of the wave. Okay, because I know Tom, it was Tom, Metallichat, us, and then you were the were you the next one on the scene? I was the next one, I believe. Yeah, right. That or, or maybe speaking destroy as well. Ryan oh, started. Oh yeah, shit. Forgot about that too. Yeah. Ryan started yeah. a few months a few months after us. We should. I mean, we have enough people now to populate a small island. Like <laughs> during apocalyptic times, which we may or may not be living in, we might want to consider all taking our families and relocating to some sort of island and starting over there 
And then I mean, we could, yeah. I mean, talk about having a podcast with a lot of co-hosts. We could all just join forces, (laughs) and there'd be like twenty people discussing Master of Puppets. I mean, in fairness, it would really narrow down the amount of podcasts in the world if everybody did that. You know, everybody and their dog has one now, so we might as well just consolidate the efforts. Dude, I we went can. on yeah, totally. I went on a riff last week on our on one of our episodes about how everyone has a Patreon now, including Michael Jordan, to, <laughs> to help offset some of the uh, mortgage payments on his fifteen mansions across the world. Uh, hey, man, you gotta get the money from somewhere, right? But but it's true. Like, and it does seem like I mean, maybe it was Hardwired was coming out. Maybe it was we all sort of co- in the collective unconscious noticed that there wasn't this conversation happening in podcast land, but we all did sort of seem to have the idea around within a year. So what was it for you? I mean, what, give us a little bit of, I mean, I'm sure a lot of our listeners listen to your show, so we don't want to bore anyone too much with backstory, but like what, what about, what about your fandom brought you to to the podcast intersection a couple of years ago? You know, I was just looking, I've, besides being a big fan of Metallica, obviously I really got into just podcasts in general um, it's fun. I just did. Um, I just recorded an episode last week. They'll be out in a couple of weeks. And my guest and I were talking because he's also a podcaster. And we were talking about what the first time we heard about podcasts was like this mythical thing. I was like, I didn't really quite understand what it was. All I know is that eventually I got an iPhone. And I was like, there's a podcast app. Let me go to this and see what everybody's talking about. And I was like, wait a minute. All this stuff is free. And then I just started checking out a few shows that people had recommended to me and discovering things on my own. And it just sort of fell through, like fell through the rabbit hole um, and checked out a bunch of really cool shows. And uh, I, my cousin, he runs a, a site called fansnotexperts.com, Um And he pumps out a bunch of podcasts. Of they do, own. they do an Iron Maiden, Iron Maiden podcast, right? Yeah. Yeah. He, awesome. He's also the host of that one called made in order. I'll give them a shout out on here. And uh, for a small fee, of course, for the of course, course. It's, Bill a me later. Whole, it's a fraction of Hulk Bill Hogan's me later. fee, but it is a small <laughs> fee. <laughs> so we, you know, he he's always in my ear to kind of get me on to do something on my own or with him. And we had done a couple things. And the, the problem was always um, either I lost interest in it or well, actually, that was usually the problem. I just lost interest in whatever we were doing. Um, but Metallica is the one thing that I felt like I was truly had this passion for and this knowledge for. And my wife was tired of me turning every conversation into and about Metallica. So <laughs> I decided, you know what, let me try to do a Metallica podcast. And truth be told, at that time, I didn't know of you guys. I didn't know of you or uh, Tom or any of the shows. Um, I assumed at that point, this was like a few years ago now. So I assumed that that point there was shows out there um but it wasn't really until i start i joined twitter because i I, jo- I started my twitter account at metallica spot before i even recorded an episode just to kind of you know for promotion and whatnot and to see what was out there and that's when i kind of stumbled upon you guys and the other shows and the whole community and i was like well i, did, I had no clues the future was out there let me check them out and i was like how can i kind of put my own spin on this so I think, you know, as a, I'm a music teacher, that's my day job. Awesome. Um, so I think being having the education background, being a fan, it just sort of my 
willingness to t talk to people and want to hear cool stories and interact with the community and interact with the fans and combine all those things. I feel like I could kind of have my own little thing, different point of view or what have you. Um, so I did an episode figured if five people listen to this, I'll do a second one and then just kind of kept on going and going. And here I am in year three. And uh, it still surprised me that people listen and give a shit, but fortunately they do. So it's it's been a really cool journey. And I, you know, just hope that the show can continue to grow. But that's really, you know, what brought me to is just an interest in Metallica, an interest in podcast and wanting to have uh, a creative outlet in that way. If five people can listen and three out of those five people are members of Metallica, then I'll be fine. Then I'll be happy with it. <laughs> then I'll be happy. It's just, that's my only goal for myself. The only five, but three of the five do need to be uh, current members of the band Metallica. Now, if, now, if it, now, if one person listens, but it's Michael Jordan and he's, and he's into it, then I have not achieved my goals. <laughs> right. I still need three of the four members of Metallica. So I want, I was actually curious when you were talking about kind of, uh, digging into podcasts for the first time getting the iphone and that that sort of elusive world what i'm curious if there are any podcasts you discovered then that you still listen to it's funny um not really like i i, I think initially i checked out a lot of the big ones you know like uh i think even you know three years ago joe rogan was still big i'm not a big joe rogan fan but you know i checked out his show checked out mark Marin, and kind of all the big right. ones that are kind of go-to's and then it was kind of the um was it I'm not, was serial? How long ago was serial? Does anybody know? That was I never like did. I never dug first into season. That. I think I think that last one was probably two to three years ago, maybe maybe a little longer. I don't know. So whenever like that, that first season was, that was one that really like pulled me in, um, and I kind of got into different true crime podcasts. Like uh, I really like last podcast on the left. If, uh, Bambay has an interest about true crime, serial killers, supernatural, yeah. paranormal type stuff. Um, and they do it all with like a really fun sense of humor. Um, but yet not a lot of the shows I initially checked out really stayed with me. Um, I kind of went big into comedy podcasts when I think first started and like interviews. And now I'm more into the music podcast and seeing what other people are doing that are uh, whether it's you guys or sabbath blade podcast or um shows like that that kind of do more deep dives into a band's catalog or do interviews with artists um so i've definitely gravitated more towards that in recent i absolutely times. love yeah, man. rye over at sabbath bloody podcast i love oh, yeah. his spirit and his vibe and he like you is mainly kind of rocking it solo so but yeah. you also have guests you either have like you know you've had a logo on yourself you've had johnny z on You've had some really yeah. cool people, but you also have like other fan type stuff, which we do that occasionally with our Metal Tales stuff. Yeah. But you mostly kind of go it alone, right? So what's that been like? Is it, do you wish you would maybe started up with a with a partner? Do you sometimes like Anthony Kiedis crooning and under the bridge <laughs> think sometimes you wish you had a partner? Or you feel like you don't have totally. a partner rather? Or, or, yeah, I, or are you still looking for your, for your flea? <laughs> well, it's funny. I was actually thinking about that recently because I was trying to think of the last episode I did by myself because initially all my episodes were solo. And the benefit of doing that is you can get more into the editing part of it, I think, and the production part of it. And But it just was not as much fun, I found, once I started having guests on. Um, and, you know, like you said, I started having listeners and other fans on. 
Um, and then it, in re- like w- over the last year, sort of evolved into having uh, Alago and Johnny Z and um, this band Crip Sermon that I'm really into. They're like a doomy Sabbathy style band, but influenced by Metallica. I had a couple of their members on. So just now it's uh, now I prefer to record with um, with somebody else. And pretty much every episode now has somebody. But I like having a revolving cast of characters, so to speak. And because I, I just like talking to people, I realized and hearing how they became fans and um, how they got into the band and their takes about saying anger and this album, and this album, you know, and it, I think it gets, it just mixes it up. It allows different point of views. And for me, I, one of the big reasons why I started the podcast, besides my interest in podcasts and Metallica and it being a creative outlet for me was just, it, it's an excuse to talk to people and meet people yeah. in the community and I mean, there are people that have been on the show, not been on the show that I would have never, ever met if not for doing Metallicast. Um, and, and there are people that I would that start off as like a guest that I would now consider a friend, even if I've not met them in person. You know, it's kind of mm-hmm. crazy. But yeah, I mean, that uh, we've noticed that. I mean, really, in the first couple months, uh, the second we started doing this and putting the word out there and uh, whether it's through social media or the Metallica forums. It was like opening Pandora's box of Metallica fans. It was like the floodgates opened, and not only did we meet a bunch of cool people, have guests with Metal Tales, stuff like that, but became really good friends with a lot of these people. And and it wasn't just this weird fan thing, like, oh, these, you know, a lot of these fans are kind of weird to us. You know, it's like we really true, you know, tr- <laughs> yeah. tr- true good friends now, you know, it's the Sarah yeah. Sobek, people like that. Um, and it's it, it's still constantly constantly blows my mind. Like if I just get a random text from somebody just checking in or whatever, or a message on Instagram or something. And I'm like, I met that person because me and my friend are in front of microphones talking about Metallica. It's just, yeah, it still seems very surreal to me. I know, like, uh, uh, for example, Richard S. He's been a frequent guest of mine. He's a music journalist. He's done like freelance work for Billboard and Noisy and a bunch of publications. Um, but I initially, he wrote a article in defense of Saint Anger that I just randomly stumbled upon, and I like tracked him down on Twitter and sent him a message. I was like, "Hey, I do this Metallic podcast. Do you have any interest?" So he came on the show initially as you know this journalist talking about this article, and now he's been on the show. I think perhaps more than anybody else. And we're just good friends now. It would, it, but we've never met in person. He's Australia. I'm in Connecticut. It's just sort of crazy how it all happened. But, um, you know, I've done a couple of live streams and he's jumped on. He's and him and a, and a few others are just kind of become sort of regulars where I'm like, I, I don't know what to do for the next episode or I have a few ideas for the next episode. I'll just shoot them a message and be like, hey, you want to come on? And they're usually more than willing as long as they're free. And uh, it's great to have those connections now. Yeah. Yeah. We have a similar thing with, I mean, we obviously knew Paul before the the podcast, but he's definitely someone we tap if we just want to mix it up or have some, a little different flavor. And then Tom Quee, of course, has come on a lot on the show. I was on yeah. your show, Brandon, two summers ago, or maybe last summer. Yeah. It was a couple uh, summers ago. T- time is in a strange place for me now. But <laughs> yeah. One of the things that I is get time asked. time even a thing? <laughs> well, it is a thing. It's a flat circle. So that's, that's right. That's the good news and the bad news. One of the things that I get asked about a lot when people, either on like podcasts I've guested on to just deal with like rock music, not necessarily Metallica podcasts, but people are interested in the idea that like, oh, there's so many Metallica podcasts. Uh, what's the competitive situation like? And this is something that Tom and yeah. I have talked about and Ethan and I talk about all the time. And the thing that I think has been pretty cool about it is there really hasn't been much of that. At no, least as no. far as I could tell. I mean, 
Yeah. It seemed way more like, ah, let's just work together and help each other and provide different slices of pizza in the conversation. And, um, like, I, I think, cause, cause I think I reached out to you, Brandon, a long, like maybe a year ago about coming on the show. It just took that long to finally get it yeah. to happen. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then I was on your, your thing and like the crossover potential for all of these, I think is way cooler than any type of competitive type sitch. Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm glad you mentioned that because I was actually thinking of that earlier today, knowing that we were going to record tonight. And, you know, I was thinking back to when I first, again, started that Twitter account and recorded that first episode. And I was like, there's all these other shows. Like, I don't know how if these shows find out I exist, I don't know how they'll feel. I don't know how (laughs) the listeners will feel. And then like you guys were like instantly cool, like, hey, welcome. And, um, you know, we're instantly support of the show and i quickly realized i'm like oh this is like just a uh an extension of the overall metallica community mm-hmm. and it, it, the cool part is is that you know we all have found i think our own little uh thing to make our shows different obviously there's things that are the same because we're talking about the same band sure. but i think you know we have found enough to make things different where we have our own audiences but also there's people who listen to it all. You know, they listen to both of our shows. They listen to Tom. They listen to Metallichat. They listen to Speak and Destroy. They listen to whatever other ones are out there currently, you know. But <laughs> yeah. it's uh, it, it's a really cool community. And I agree. I don't think there's any, you know, competitiveness among us. Like, I, I, I've never, um, uh, maybe, like, in a joking way, but I've never uh, been like, oh, got to gotta beat those metal up your podcast boys this month you know <laughs> like it's Good just luck <laughs> and, and, and it's you know if anything i see something cool that you guys are doing and i'm like i'm like oh that's really cool i wish i thought of that but then you th- come up with your own stuff you know yeah and, and, and just speaking sort of, of that i've been out. meaning to tell you we're changing our name to metallicast by the way the, yeah we, <clears throat> that's perfect i was gonna take really metal cool up your thing. podcast so <laughs> yeah we, we actually brought you on the show to let you know that we're uh sending a cease and desist order and uh, we want you to take down all your content as soon as possible. And Q Prime Management will be contacted. I will, yeah. Expect expect a personal visit from Cliff Bernstein and Peter Minch. I do feel like out of all the podcast names, that Metallicast is the best. Yeah, oh, thank you. It's like I think I think that and Speak and Destroy are the, are the two best. Yeah, I I like Speak and Destroy. It it it's it's like something obvious that I would have never thought of. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Well, I think a lot a lot of times when you start a podcast, much like you know, all of us did with the name, you instantly go towards like the pun or whatever. You want to include the word podcast or cast or something in it. Metallicast was on I still we talked about this in a few a few episodes ago. I still have the original list I made of like name ideas, even before I think I even hit up Clint to to if you wanted to, you know, do it with me. And Metallicast was one of them actually. (laughs) I wonder what you would have called it if we had gone with Metallicast. Metal up your podcast, I guess. <laughs> Probably, yeah. <laughs> just flip the coin. Well, it's funny because I remember I, I didn't write down a list. It, it's just something that sort of like popped in my head one day. But like, you know, you think you're, you're brainstorming a few names. I'm like, what if I call it the Metallica podcast? I'm like, that's really boring. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a little too on the nose. Talking you know? Talica. Yeah. And then, uh, <laughs> yeah, Talking Talica. That's actually um, pretty good. It's not bad. I think I'm I sure just gave, I think I just helped it's, someone it, name their new Metallica podcast. <laughs> Talking Metallica. <laughs> if it doesn't already exist, it it will after this episode. Totally is released. Yeah. What about the Nutty Podcast? Oh, 
the nutty the nutty professor podcast it's just a crossover it's only metallica and it's only eddie murphy movies i which, i by prefer the way, if it's about norbit it. myself but you prefer or, or norbit guy i'm more of a norbit guy i would prefer if it was uh, <laughs> norbit. norbit and metallica or oh, it's, man. It's, it's only uh eddie murphy movies where he plays multiple characters <laughs> so kind of hey, coming to america is is good to go oh man i was trying to think uh, of a coming to america metallica crossover podcast <laughs> What could we? Can anyone do it quick? I don't think uh, uh, I have to edit all this out if we can't. Thrashing to America, close. Um, That's a good shot. There's no Metallica um, song. There's no Metallica song with the word "coming" yeah. in it. Is there? Like, oh, the day that no. never come comes to America. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Okay. I think right. this is the best we're gonna do. So. Well, so obviously, if you're a guy that's gonna start a Metallica podcast, and by the way, keep it up because people don't usually start things and then keep doing them. So the fact that you've started it and you've kept up with it means that you really are pretty committed to it. You're a pretty serious guy when it comes to talking about Metallica. So before we hear your list and stuff, so we already know that you're, you're in deep because you're a nerd <laughs> like us and you, you've devote a lot of your time to doing this. Cause you know, like people who may not know who don't do podcasts, how time consuming it can be to, to do a oh, show yeah. consistently yeah. every week, no matter what's going on. I know you have a young, you have an infinite home. Yeah. The world's going crazy. Uh, yeah. a lot of uncertainty in the world and yet you're still cranking out shit every week so that takes a lot of dedication hey the amount of times my wife hears so i'm recording again tonight yeah totally <laughs> yeah oh, but she's super smart she's like all right yeah go down to the basement and do whatever you want but i think she's just happy to get rid of me now but you know, well yeah after once quarantine started you know <laughs> hopefully our wives can recognize that a little bit of this is medicine and a little bit of it just gets yeah. us out of their fucking hair for an hour or two yeah well, totally. well like i said before i either talk to you guys about it or i'm upstairs right now talking to her about it and she'd much rather watch netflix so <laughs> so here's one thing that we're giving her a break from tonight and all of our wives maybe so the boys have been rehearsing at HQ. This has been a big thing. Yeah. And yeah, we will week. have we will have definitely talked about this in the housekeeping, of course. But um I'm curious to get your thoughts on it too, Brandon. There was I got a um I want to give a shout out to at Bad Wobot, who is a an Instagram person who sent us a, a screenshot of I guess it's like an upcoming YouTube list of where they can see what's happening on YouTube or some sort of promo they got where the boys are going to be doing this drive-in theater show. Sorry, I didn't know anything about this. So I guess some bands are doing some live streams that they're playing in drive-in right. movie theaters. Yeah, yeah. Through like a, a nice loud system. Uh, and it was like kind of in the Chicago area. So that shed a little bit of light on maybe what they're working on. They, they've been tweeting mm. about Howard Stern. A lot of right. Stern faces here, but we're taking rehearsals seriously as in serious radio. Right. <laughs> any any thoughts or about what's going on with the boys? How nice was it just to see them in the same room together? Oh, I know. Um, it was so nice to see them together, especially seeing James back in action. I mean, obviously he had uh, he's made a few appearances, but mm -hmm. then quarantine happened, like kind of right when he was back out in public a bit, and so it was good to see him doing well and back in action with the boys. But uh, yeah, my initial thought was it, they're going to do a live stream. Right. Maybe it'll be a tie in with like Metallica Monday, you know, or maybe it'll be something separate that you uh, make more sense, I guess, if they were charging, um, you know, money to buy uh, for like, you know, a new live show or what have you. So that was my initial thought. And then they sent out all the tweets, like you said, hinting towards Howard Stern. 
So I'm like, oh, well, I guess that's obvious. Right. But then I, I, I first saw the clue from your Twitter account uh, where it looked like a full set. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which I'm like, if they're going Howard Stern, they're playing what? Three songs, maybe. Right. Maybe, if yeah. They get given a good amount of time, you know, um, unless they're doing some kind of serious special that Howard Stern's presenting. I don't even it. know what Howard's been doing during quarantine. I, I'm kind of a lifelong Howard fan, but I haven't been keeping up with him in the maybe the last year. So I don't know if they've been going into the studio or what. Do you, do you keep up with Howard Stern, Brandon? I don't know if you do. No. So, no. yeah, so I, I don't even know what format he's working with. I don't know. The yeah. last time they were there, they did do, they were, they were doing the Apollo gig in New York. Mm-hmm. So they were sort of yeah. promoting that Apollo gig. Um, but the set list looked like 10 to 15 songs and it looked like all greatest hit stuff. So, which I, I got, I got to admit, dudes, I'm not that I'm so excited to see them again, especially in the same room. I mean, just to see James playing creeping death was like, or battery. There was a video of battery. Of course I'm, I share with all of you out there and podcast land, how exciting that is, but just on paper, like they're going to play creep and battery and Sabatru and fade i don't know how stoked i am for that there wasn't even any hardwired material on the list yeah so i i saw the set that or the songs were kind of released and i honestly had the same reaction because the truth of the matter is if you're if you've been watching metallica mondays every monday yeah totally if you've been following the band's career you have the box that you have like we all do yeah we've heard those songs we've seen those songs yeah and i i would like to see something new but if it's for something like Howard Stern or something for Sirius, it makes a little bit more sense to me. Um, and I was wondering if they're maybe trying to do some kind of like tie in with SM2. I know it's not orchestra related, yeah. but maybe they'll go on Howard that morning or that week and just like bash out a bunch of greatest hits and just do yeah. something kind of funky like that. You know, it makes sense. Yeah, maybe so. <clears throat> I do like uh, like we mentioned James earlier. I mean, this is kind of the first time besides that, like blackened video the acoustic version they did, plus uh, the Reclaim Rust appearance. The Peterson Museum, yeah. Peterson Museum. He had uh, that Eddie Money thing, too. Yeah, he, uh, he went and played the Eddie Money thing. Yeah, that's but right. this is kind of, this is the first time, really, we've seen him, like, with an Explorer on, with the boys, yeah. in person, since he left for rehab. And that was yeah. almost a year ago. How about this? A lot of heat, a lot of, some of it joking, but some of it real heat, paying attention to him not wearing a mask in the video. And it's, it's real hard not to just be like, he's the singer? He has to. He's a he has to sing now. I would imagine too, because all those. Guys, I mean, everyone but Lars, li- you know, mainly lives in other areas of the country. Yeah. Uh, I would guarantee if it was like, hey, okay, we're still in the in the in the thick of this pandemic. I would be shocked if uh, James and Kirk didn't fly private to San Francisco. And I bet you, James, as- I bet you, James drove. I guarantee James you, could have, he, could have driven. He probably yeah. just did a road trip, and I'm sure yeah. he has a nice car. Um, the man yeah. likes cars. Um, even if right. he didn't use one of those daily driver type things, I'm sure he's got some kind of sick fucking SUV. Yeah, he probably drove. Now Kirk would have had to have flown, and I'm sure Robert drove too because he was just in LA. Yeah, I mean I, Kirk, yeah. Kirk could have he could have taken a jet ski. <laughs> he could have taken a submarine. <laughs> I don't I, I don't want to leave submarines out. He could have. He, he might have a. He could have ridden on the back of Cthulhu. He could have just <laughs> caught in a ride with Cthulhu. Cthulhu, take the me USS to Marin Cthulhu. County. Yeah, uh, I think that they were wearing masks in the video as some sort of solidarity. They don't need to wear the masks in there. I guarantee yeah. you, they're not just wearing masks in there the whole rehearsal. 
I think right, they were like, yeah. hey, let's shoot a promo for the thing we're doing and I'll put a mask on. And James was like, no. And Lars right. was like, cool, no problem. Because well, the, in, too, in the I mean, battery video, Kirk's not, I don't think Kirk or Robert are wearing a mask. No, just Lars in that one. Yeah, yeah. I noticed that. But in the Creeping Death one, they all were. They yeah. all are, except James, yeah. yeah. I think as well, I mean, there's obviously uh, some crew is there. I'd imagine maybe Chad. I don't know if he flew out for that, probably. Um, and there's obviously people filming and stuff like that. There's such a high high profile band and under such lock and key with certain things. I would imagine this has been planned for a while and management reached out to whatever crew was involved being like, all right, guys, quarantine like, or whatever. Yeah. Quarantine. Everyone get tested before, you know, uh, before we yeah. fly you out or or fly out. We're going to get you tested here. We're going to make sure that everyone's good to go because it's like, do you want to be the guy that get, give that gives James Hetfield <laughs> COVID-19 or, no. or gives it right, to Lars well, and Lars gives it to Torben or, you know, just the domino effect. Yeah, yeah, of, yeah. yeah exactly. So, yeah, I mean, you're besides... right. They were like mandatory colonoscopies for everyone coming to HQ. <laughs> yeah, totally. Just for fun. Uh, I also was thinking that because besides, I mean, let's put all, the obvious health and importance of that to the side. Like, do you think Q Prime wants to lose their right the money of Ex- whatever? Totally. The They're, press and right, all yeah. that stuff that, you know. Is tied to this band. That, that's just too yeah. much on the line. That thing too generates. Much on the line. It generates millions for so many. Yeah. You know, for yeah, a lot of people depend on this machine. And I'm sure. I mean, if we want to just go back a little bit to, I mean, it's been a since James had to go to rehab. It's been a pretty crazy litany of disappointing announcements, right? Because they, yeah. you could tell they were kind of rolling them out just at, on a wait and see basis. But it was so. First of all, it was like the all within my hands gig done. Then it was like, remember that that festival schedule got rescheduled because james had like a sobriety weekend and yep. people were freaked right, about yeah. that dude like what the fuck um australia south america got canceled it's just been a really disappointing 10 months with that yeah. uh mm-hmm. and i i remember even then i'm sure it's documented on the episodes but before covid didn't happen like thinking about the business just the the business part of that where they're like oh we don't we can't lose these tours but we have to protect the thing that makes to really put it in crude economic terms, we have to protect this thing that makes us millions of dollars over the spans oh, yeah. of years. So if we have to take a year where it's real lean for them. Uh, I'm sure they were willing to do it. It makes a lot of sense to me, but goddamn, it's got to be hard when you're used to that thing just making millions a year. Yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, I guess the good part of it is is that I'm hoping that by next summer we're all kind of good and a better place and things will just sort of will roll over mm. to the next calendar year i'm hoping like we saw the announcement of one of the festivals i forget which one it is yeah. I'll tell me. maybe it was aftershock yeah the one for october next year that's the it yeah. was, it's the california one right so then I, I i speculated on my show um i was like i wonder if you know we'll see more announcements for the other festivals maybe pop up for next summer and just sort of you know same bill or similar bill and right um but yeah it's a, i mean it's a huge blow but i mean you know, you guys know more than I do being in the middle of, you know, the music industry and being mm-hmm. touring musicians, you know, just how it's uh, called the biz, by the way, the biz. I'm sorry. Yeah. I forgot since I dude, we sent you a glossary. See, I... We sent you a glossary before the episode. <laughs> yeah. Like right now, we're not on deck. You know what that means? Come on. Once you become a music teacher. You're officially out of the biz, so <laughs> okay, fair. No, you're no, you're a part of the biz that actually makes money. You're you're actually in real business. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> no, but you're right. So I think what you were asking is like maybe what the forecast actually looks like. It's pretty bleak. It's pretty rough. I mean, yeah. summer of next year is probably 
uh, honestly kind of optimistic. Not not yeah. impossible, but optimistic. Yeah, it really I, depends I, for, on the vaccine and how that how that goes. But I think even with the vaccine, getting fifty thousand people in a stadium, I think is going to be tough. I think a lot of big acts like Metallica, like Taylor Swift. I know some of my friends in that camp are saying it might even be twenty twenty two, but yeah, um, they don't know. By the way, I'm not saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hope right, Loudwire yeah. doesn't fucking post that. In fact, I might just <laughs> edit that out. But. Um, <laughs> But I think that a big band like Metallica is even going to have to scale back their production value because I I don't think stadiums mm. are going to make sense. And I yeah. think in a, well, I think in some way it's almost kind of cool because I was thinking about this honestly more in terms of Taylor Swift than Metallica, but it applies in that because Taylor Swift just put out this really cool kind of indie folk record, and it would be so cool to see her in theaters again. Like she could do like ten nights at the Ryman. Sorry, Ethan, I don't want to uh, trigger you here, but <sighs> imagine seeing Metallica like do a tour where they just did. <laughs> instead of doing a big stadium, which would endanger a lot of people, they could do a more distanced, smaller run. Weren't yeah. the Foo Fighters going to do this, a van tour? Uh, well, they, uh, they weren't actually going to be in a van, I don't think. Why were but they, they calling were, it a van tour? Like, what was well, that? They were basically playing the exact same uh, cities as their very first tour 25 oh, years ago. That's not quite a van tour, is it? I think they were calling it a van tour. Because they're playing the arenas when they played the shitty club and they're in their buses and jets. <laughs> right, and, and now they're but, in their jet, yeah. But it's, but, it's the, but it's also the Foo Fighters. You know that they probably like will space out the shows where they... In each of those small towns, they do like a surprise show at a yeah, random yeah, local yeah. bar. Or something. Yeah, they're yeah. cool. Yeah. Well, all right, cool. Well, so let's get a sense of. Sorry to you bring sit. it down, guys. No, 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 no. We, I think we try uh, to have a balance of talking about COVID. Uh, I think we try not to talk about it a lot because people maybe go to these podcasts to get away from it a little bit. But yeah, totally. There are also people out there who want to know our, our thoughts about it, including yours, Brandon, and as a father and as a music teacher and someone being in a kind of a hot spot of the virus. Yeah. So trying to balance all that, I think, is good. I think we just did a good. I think pivoting from it now is a great, it's a great opportunity. <laughs> and cue transition. <laughs> um, so let's get a sense of where you're at with the album rankings. We just revisited our rankings a few weeks ago, which was fun to kind of see a couple of years ago what changed. We did have some changes, some interesting changes. Yeah. Some of the big things didn't change. So I'm curious before we hear your list, is this a list that has been pretty similar for you? most of your fandom or is this list no as you wrote it down you're like holy shit a lot's changed yeah I, this is an always evolving list um i would say my top three pretty much i, I would say my top three albums stay the same the mm-hmm. number two and three spot might flip depending on what day you ask me mm-hmm. right but the top three albums stay the same um but after that it depends on if you're in a saint anger or a lulu mood we know we yeah. know how that goes bro <laughs> oh yeah this is top 11 because lulu has to be in there Brandon, did, i did he did ask i did me, reach yeah. out i'm like wait are we including this like are we including the s&ms and lulus of the world or are we just and he said just the 10 studio so yeah i think if we included um, at the first s&m it might be like top three for me maybe it'd be top five for sure for me yeah, I, I would put it up there too for me. And then Garage Garage uh, Inc. Disc One would be really high for me too. Yeah, it'd probably Same. be higher than like Death Magnetic. Maybe I hate to say that, but it, it probably it's would. It's good. And I bet for a lot of people, a lot of like maybe OGs, Trues, Garage Days Re Revisited would be really high. Like yeah, maybe even sure. above Black Album for a lot of people. Yeah, for sure. So for all of those obvious reasons. We're not. Hey, did you guys get the? Um, uh, w- there were some emails where they they re they released uh, the Moth and the Flame from S and M two and nothing else matters. Yeah, yeah, sounds pretty good. Dude, I'm pretty it, excited. Really sounds good. 
I've been gnawing at the bit for any SM2 clips that are officially right, released. The, right. So you hear the actual the actual audio. mix and all that goodness. But uh yeah, I've I've really been enjoying it. And when we get to the next list, I think I'll probably touch upon that a little bit. But cool. All right. Well, so let's start. So let's do it from 10 to 1. And uh let's hear what your album rankings are. All right. So like I said, this is always changing really outside of my top three. But number 10. Sane anger. What? Um, I know it's a shocker. It's a hot take. Uh, I, to be honest, I <laughs> to be honest, I like this album. Yeah. It, it, um, it just you know, it's not the same to me, obviously, as a Ride the Lightning or Master Puppets or even a Load or it. it it's just it. It's last on the list, but it's still an album I enjoy. I think I realized recently that it's. I like the album more for what it represents than a lot of the actual songs on it. Like I'm, I'm kind of fascinated by that time period of the band where they're yeah. going through all that stuff. And I, and I think if you take the album and you pair it up with some kind of monster and there's this great book, I don't know if you guys have checked it out yet from um, Joe Berlinger, one of the directors of some kind of monster called this monster lives, yep. which just kind of takes you behind the scenes of the movie. Those three things to me are, if you're a Metallica nerd like us, it's like a perfect companion piece and kind of gives you better understanding of the making of the album and, you know, what the band was going through. And I and I'm really fascinated by the creative process for artists that I like. Um, so for that reason, I appreciate St. Anger. And there are songs on there that I think are very underrated songs like Unnamed Feeling, mm-hmm. All Within My Hands. Um, it. But yeah, it, it, it's last on my list for um, it. The songs just are not up to par to the rest of the album. I, I think generally all speaking. of that was super well said. I couldn't agree more. Like the, it's interesting because the era it's tied to and like the context of that album is what kind of saves it, makes it cool. There's yeah. a lot of what I term spiritual significance to the record. They may yeah. not even be a band currently if they hadn't have gone through that. But at the same time, it's kind of what also underscores what doesn't work about it because great rec- records don't need to be tied to some dramatic non-music part for them to make sense. Like right. mm-hmm. no one cares about what was happening during blood on the tracks, even though I guess Dylan was getting, it's like, who cares? The songs are great. It's a great album. Ride, yeah. the, ride the lightning. Who cares what the story is? It's got creeping death on it. Yeah. The stories are <laughs> right. relevant. Exactly. The stories in the, in the track list. So exactly. And for the average person out there, I mean, like I said, I find better understanding watching the movie, reading the the average person out there does not give a shit about any of that, right? They just want to hear the songs, right? You, they're not they're not a nerd like me. They're not going to jump into things as uh, heavily as me, perhaps. You know, so I, I completely get it. Um, but yeah, for me, it's more of the experience of the album, I guess. Yeah. Than uh, the overall album itself. Yeah, right on. I'm with you. Shocking, shocking number ten, but I accept it. <laughs> <laughs> Now, my number nine is Reload. I'm uh, actually a oh. really big fan of the Load Reload era. And if you were to ask me this, you know, a year ago, I think Load Reload would have been higher on my list. I'm just sort of kind of going where my mental state is now with the band and sort of what I've been listening to the most. You followed your so, heart, bro. You followed your heart. Reload is at nine. Um, but again, so many great tracks on that record. That I think get overlooked. Um, I know you guys are fans of Fixer. Mm-hmm. That's sort of oh, yeah. a legendary song. And 
the Metallica catalog because, you know, it's never been performed live and it's such an epic track. Um, but beyond that, you know, I, I love, I love the singles. I love the singles. Like memory remains is one of Ethan's favorite Metallica songs. Oh, yeah, yeah. of course. And that, and that song live is just phenomenal. Absolutely. Everybody doing the Marian faithful part. And, um, with that said, I think that it has a couple of the weakest songs in their catalog. I think better than you is probably the worst single that they've ever released. Um, in terms of just like radio singles. Um, there's some songs I don't know if they've aged as well, even though I like, I like Prince Charming, but it's, I can, I can take it or leave it. Um, but you know, other tracks like Low Man's Lyric and I'm really, I, I, I've always loved Carpe Diem Baby. There's a lot of mm-hmm. deep cuts in that album that I really, really dig. But I, again, ask me six months from now, it might be higher, but today <laughs> it's number nine. I do have to give a, I do have to give to sort of a mandatory boo. I do have to just mildly <laughs> boo Reload being number nine, just yeah, for the some... sake of the pedigree of the podcast. Because everything you said makes a lot of sense. You went with your heart and you broke Clint's. <laughs> Dude, the first time I was ever on Alpha Metallica, it was to talk about Better Than You. And, yeah. and Tom hates Reload. He hates Better Than You. Oh, he yeah. hates Reload. Yeah. And I, I actually love Better Than You. I don't, I don't know why, but I love it. And he asked me, he's like, he's talking about, he, we got to like Kirk's solo and he was like, I mean, like, are you proud of Kirk with his solo? Does this solo make you proud? I'm like, <laughs> what are you talking about, Tom? I've never been proud of Kirk, except for maybe when he helped donate money with the All Within My Hands Foundation to the fucking forest fires or something. That was the only time I was proud of Kirk. Anyway. I, I will oh say gosh. this. If I if I just go to my phone and put Shuffle on Metallica and Better Than You comes on, I'm not skipping it. Hell yeah. Okay. There we go. Right. You know, sounds, like go. Need, sounds like it may need to move higher on the list. <laughs> Number eight, I put Death Magnetic. Okay. Um Death Magnetic is I, I love the album, but I, I remember when I first heard it, I was like, it's, you know, it's a return to the old days. Uh, I think a lot of people felt that way. But to be honest, I just in recent years, I don't revisit the album as much as uh, uh, as I thought I would maybe when it first came out. And yeah. I think part of it is because I just think Hardwired was so damn good hmm. um, that it just sort of uh it, it it almost ruined that album a little bit for me because i was so excited about death magnetic and then eight years later we got hardware i was like but this is so much better <laughs> that's my opinion it's also but, an intense out i mean it's it, it's a it's a commitment to dip into yeah that yeah album. it's a long record the songs are very long much much like justice or whatever and yeah um, I, i've always called it justice part it's like justice part two yeah like. absolutely yeah and, and you know like sonic sonic issues aside um it, it, you can get a little bit of that fatigue if you listen to that, that record front to back, if you're actually sitting down and paying attention to it. If I throw it on my record player, you know, while I'm getting ready in the morning or making breakfast or whatever, like I knew I you were going to say, I, th- I would have guessed I would have voted for making eggs, but you just said breakfast. But I, <laughs> breakfast, which includes I could have finished that sentence, bro. Listen, I do most of my vinyl <laughs> listening late at night or first thing in the morning. What's your favorite song on Death Magnetic, Brandon? If you, if you could just spitball on a hot take, if you will. My, I would say. You know what? I, I've always been a sucker for this is probably an unpopular choice, but I've always been a sucker for Broken Beat and Scarred. Mm, that's a great um, song. I, I like the riff. I like the melody. Um, it takes a couple of twists and wacky twists and turns, as our favorite Danish drummer would say. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I think I'd go with Broken Beat and Scarred. And I think that that's a song that I think translates really well live that I would love to 
hear them pull out more. You know what I think is pretty cool is we've covered some of the DVD releases from kind of the World Magnetic era. We were pretty yeah. lucky to get a lot of cool official releases from that tour and oh, see yeah. a lot of the... They pretty much played the whole album live, except for maybe Suicide and Redemption and maybe Unforgiven 3 a handful of times. But on, yeah. on like Quebec Magnetic and uh, the Nemes gig, they played a lot of... Like mm-hmm. Broken Bean Scar, I think it's on Judas Kiss, All Nightmare Long, My Apocalypse. Yeah. It's pretty yeah, cool. I, when I saw them on that tour, I mean, there was six or seven songs from Death of My Neck at the time. Yeah. The opening, yeah. opening with that was just your life right into End of yeah. the Line, just like the album. Awesome. And that's when they were really mixing up the set night to night. Yeah. Like, I've, I feel like on the World Wire tour, you kind of got a more standard set. They had the rotating slots. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, you, you kind of, the, the signature songs were all there night to night, you know? But right. on the Death Manic tour, there was every night was different. You maybe you heard bells, maybe you didn't. Maybe you heard, you wow. know, outside yeah. of like one puppet Sandman, I don't know if there was any songs that they pulled out every night. Nothing else matters probably, but yeah, you know, outside of like those four kind of standards, you know, yeah. So that was a really fun tour, and yeah, they, I, I remember they would just sort of circle through all those songs throughout the cycle, um, and that was really neat. Yeah. All right, number seven. Number seven, I went with, uh, you know, I, it's funny. I have something else written, and in my mind, I, I was thinking something else. I'm, 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 I'm going to change it on the spot here. Oh, okay. My number seven <laughs> oh. is, uh, this is a I, maybe an unpopular hot take for some of you, uh, Metal Police, who I know you're a big fans of on this show, <laughs> yeah. um, Injustice for All. Oh, boy. Wow. wow. Yeah, okay. that's a wow. Okay. I mean, hey, wow. Ask me again, again, tomorrow. It'll probably be in my top four, but I'm calling you <laughs> right while I'm now. making eggs tomorrow morning. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Brandon, it's the next day. Where's Justice? He's going to be listening to Justice while it's up to number five today. Ask me again tomorrow. <laughs> All right. Well, what? Yeah. What do you? What, so what? What was going through your head just now that that, that demoted it? Because it, I, I basically flipped it with. Um, well, let me tell my next album, then I'll go into that because I, I basically flipped it with my next album. Okay. Um, at at number six, I put load. And I just have such a soft spot in my heart for Lude. I just love that album. And for me, like the Black Album was the first album I ever had by Metallica. But Lode was my second album. I was in sixth grade when that album came out. It was like I remember sixth grade. I got my first CD player. It was the first CD I ever owned. Um, and, you know, I, I, I discovered Metallica at an early age because I had two older brothers who had MTV on and stuff. So I remember seeing Inter Sandman, you know, when it was new and hearing when it was new. And, but, you know, up until like sixth grade, I thought the Black Album Mode were the only two Metallica albums that existed. Yeah. Um, so, and, and I just love, I love that record. I do. And uh, for me, the, the experience, the personal experience I had with that record just pushes it up past justice, which I know is an unpopular opinion, but. I like that though. I, I appreciate it. It's definitely you definitely have justice lower than me, even though I'm kind of known as a load reload guy. Yeah. But I dig that. How much of a shame is it that there's no load representation live anymore? They might play it's King Nothing, shame. maybe. But it's, it's either I mean, fuel or memory. Maybe. It's a shame. It's a shame. I would even yeah. love to see it until it sleeps again live. Me too. It was a huge hit. I yeah, I mean hit. when I when I look at the load track list, there are like bleeding me, I would put up there with their best to me that's one of my all-time favorite mm-hmm. songs. totally agree um outlaw torn you know they they it's cool they pulled it out once in the world wire tour obviously they did again at snm2 uh but and i know that's a deep cut but 
you know, they're, they're pulling out deep cuts on these shows. Yeah. I would love to hear it more. I think that's one of their best. Um, even uh, even when they took risk on this record, like Mama said, it was completely different type of ballad for them. I love that song. Me too. Um, yeah. and, and I think what attracts me to Load uh, over Injustice for All is just, you know, when you, I love James's lyrics on it. I love his voice on it. It's just such a, it seems like such a personal record. Um, and there's so many songs that if I'm just, if I have a half hour to listen to whatever Metallica songs I want, I'm not necessarily going to justice and getting through two songs. Ooh. I'm going more to like load. And, you guys hear, you know, I, I think I hear the sirens already. <laughs> yeah. I think, I think you're distance, right. Ethan, uh, everyone think be, cool. A... be cool. Be cool. <laughs> listen, it, Wait, I hear a knock. I think they're at the Eat door. Your drugs. But, uh... Eat your drugs. Eat your drugs. Eat your drugs. <laughs> quick, quick. <laughs> but yeah, that's that's my reasoning, though. All right. I love it. Dude, this is a killer list so far. So what's yeah. coming in at number five? So here we go into the top five. So you've already you've already put load and reload. You've already got those those dudes crossed out. So it's Man sort justice. of a battle of the classics here. Although you do have a classic at number seven. So that's interesting. Yeah. Number five, I, I went with the latest one, Hardwired and Self-Destruct. Um, you know, it's a few years after its release. I still revisit it all the time. Um, I think there are so many great songs. I think it's perhaps their best produced song, uh, album um, to date. I, I love the sound of the record. I, I love how the guitar sound. I love how the bass sounds. I love how James vocals sound. Um, and there's just so many great songs, especially in the first half. The first, yeah, first half from Hardwired through Halo on Fire. That's all those songs are just classic Metallica. And when you go yeah. to side two, even the song, it's funny because the first time I heard the album, I was like, side two is kind of weak with a couple exceptions. And then the more I listen to it, I'm like, I really like Confusion. Yeah. I, I really like Here Here Comes Revenge. Yeah, I really like all these songs, you know? And, and now having lived with the album for a few years, I can't imagine not having those songs. Man Unkind... This might be an unpopular opinion again. Maybe you want to call the metal police again, but hey, I don't um, call them, bro. You call them. Hey, you call them with your opinions, dude. I don't I, want them, bro. They just come. I love Man on Con. For the I, first I time I heard that yeah. track, I was like, that was that's been one of my favorite tracks on the record. Yeah, and I love that song. It, it just has such a great Sabbath feel at parts, and it's just takes so many left turns, and I, I just really love that track. And uh, it's kind of an argument for the hardwired being sort of a return to black album form, right? Because yeah. side B of the black album, when you compare it to side A, you're like, are these songs just not as good? But if you just take it away from side A through the never and wolf and man and like the songs on side B yeah. and, and, and the God that failed and my friend of misery, those oh would gosh, have been yeah. the, the, any other band. Those would have been the best songs on yeah. that on whatever album they made. Oh, yeah. They just happened yeah. to put on the black album. And, and side A's like that on Hardwired with Moth, Halo, Now That We're Dead, Atlas, Dream No yeah. More. Side B's killer, yeah. but when you compare it to side A, it's like, it's tough. But then they've got the yeah, one yeah. spit out the bone is kind of like the, not stylistic wise, but in terms of like heavy hitting, it's like the nothing else matters of side B. Yeah. Well, it's like spit out the bone was the song that every like true, everybody who's hated this band since Cliff Burden died, right? <laughs> yeah. They, I feel like they heard that song. They're like, Finally. all right, yeah, that, that song's pretty cool. But yeah, yeah that song's not bad. <laughs> yeah. You know, like and nobody could ignore like just how badass Spit Out the Bone was. But those yeah, guys yeah. haven't heard a lot of the middle records because they've been too busy 
working on the police force, the metal police force. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. They got yeah, jobs true. right outside Very of 84, true. like right after lightning, they got gigs as the metal police. So. <laughs> it is interesting when, when, when hardware came out and uh, a lot of those like old school fans, the trues were like, finally, like the thrash song. Blah, blah. Kick. And every time I ever hear that, I think, did you not listen to death magnetic? Yeah. Like if anything, there's, there's more thrash stuff on that than there is hardwired. Yeah, exactly. To me, hardwired is not really a return to, the thrash roots even though you have spread out the bone you have hardwired the song and obviously elements of that but to me hardwired takes everything that they've done before you have the thrash of the first four records you have like the arena anthems of the black album you have the groove of load and reload yeah it just takes everything that they've done and meshes it together i've always songs are really good yeah totally i've always called it uh like it's 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 the best of Metallica stylistically. It yeah, c- covers totally. the whole spectrum. Totally. All right, number four. So number four is obviously a classic album. It is, uh, but to be honest, it's one that I would probably normally put lower on my list. Um, that album is Kill 'Em All. Okay. Um, I I but lately I've been gravitating toward this album more. Um, I think it's been a combination of, uh, you know, seeing some of the older shows on Metallica Mondays and sort of revisiting uh, more of these songs in the live set. I think it's and also just it a, a lot of I've noticed when I was putting together my song list and stuff, like a lot of my current opinions are kind of dictated by what I have going on on Metallica. So like recently I interviewed like Johnny Z. Um, and when I and I just like dove head first into Kill 'Em All era Metallica, you know, yeah. uh, in preparation for talking to him. And so I, it, it just moved farther up my list. Obviously, it's a classic album. It changed metal. Uh, but normally I, I would probably have it lower. But, yeah, it's moved up my list in recent months. I have the same thing. For me, it was just the, the anniversary happened a few weeks ago. And right. so yeah. I just threw it on vinyl in the studio and then just really loved it. And just mm-hmm. when the side ended, I just kept turning it side A, side B, side A, side B. Yeah, yeah. Had a good time with it. I think, Ethan, you came over during some of that, and I was just cranking Kill 'em All. Yeah. Because that's what was happening. And that, that traditionally has been one of my least favorites. I think it's, I, I, I think what I appreciate about it more is more than any Metallica record, it's fun. I think it's probably their most fun album. Hmm, that's just, a good point. Really, yeah. it's it obviously it's all up tempo, high energy. It's definitely it's just fun. this innocence to it, um, and it's hard to take it all that seriously. Even though there's obviously serious songs on it, it's great songwriting, but it's hard to take it as seriously as like you know when you hear Phantom Lord, or when you hear Nori Morrison, they're talking about you know swords are like lightning, and yeah. it, it's just it, it's a little bit more cliche. There, there are um, like 15 previous, references the, to wearing leather on that album. Exactly. So, you know, <laughs> Metal Militia, yeah. you know, it, it, it's just a fun album. It's definitely, you know, lyrically more cliche than anything else they would do. But it, that's what makes it fun. It's part of its charm. And it, it just yeah. captures sort of their innocence of being like, I can picture 18 year old James and Lars just bashing out these songs um, as they're writing them. Right. And nude. Yeah, I, for sure. In, in the new, I, may only, I add only, nude, <laughs> only wearing le- le- leopard print gloves, just leopard gloves, right? <laughs> and, and, and leopard diapers, by the way. That's right. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> All right, top three. All right, top three. So, like I said, my top three don't change. My number two and three spot might flip flop, uh, but my top three don't change. Number three is Ride the Lightning. Um, it went, the first time I heard 
this album because after you know after i realized the black album load were not the only two metallica records i went back did my homework educated myself checked all the old records and the first time i heard ride the lightning it blew me away yeah um it and i mean you just look at the track listing and it's just classic up to classic from start to finish um but it it was not doesn't hold the same spot in my heart as my number two album which is the black album hmm. um that was the yeah. first metallica record i ever heard um you know i think for millions of people it's sort of their gateway to the band and their gateway into heavy metal in general and that was totally it for me i i had that cassette when i was in third grade yeah um, nice. and i it right next to probably my vanilla ice single and uh, <laughs> i had that i had ice ice baby <laughs> what was the b and, what was uh, the b side of that i think it was oh, uh i have to go back and look now i think it was uh shit go ninja go ninja go <laughs> that was later dude that was that was the fucking secret of the ooze man ninja rap man what was it i i would have dude i would have been able to tell oh, you that if i, I, I think i actually know what it was i think it was play that funky play the funky music, music white boy i was, uh, I was yeah. oh yeah yeah another huge single from one mr v ice <laughs> <laughs> mr ice himself <laughs> Mr. Robert Van Winkle. Obviously, we're metalheads here, so we prefer the new metal era of Vanilla Ice. As oh yeah, know, did Gosh, he do new I metal? I didn't even yeah. know that. Oh, he did a whole remake of Ice Ice Baby. You need to check that oh, out. Oh my god! Wow. You don't really. It, I wouldn't say you oh, need to check it out. <laughs> no one That's really needs to, but if you if you have a hankering one day for some new metal <laughs> and Vanilla Ice, <laughs> hey, for making yeah. eggs one morning. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Top of yeah. All right, so that would make your number one, of course, puppets. Then puppets. Which, I, that's I, Ethan's number one. If yeah. I'm, if I'm I, not wrong. I just think it's. I just think it's the perfect album. It really uh, is. Like for me, I hear "Ride the Lightning" and I'm like, this album was phenomenal. Like I said, it blew my mind. It set the blueprint for basically the next two records, right? But the Master Puppets just perfected it, and I, I if nobody had ever heard Metallica. I could put on the song master puppets and I think that in over that eight minutes that tells them who Metallica. are. Yeah. It's like, mm-hmm. it's definitely in contention for their greatest song along with, along with one and blackened. Yeah. Like, I just think those, I just think like master captures everything they do great as a band. It has yeah. the fast, heavy, the, the groove, heavy, the melody, the lyrics, the complex arrangement with the beautiful interlude in the middle. And right. It, even as a backwards guitar solo, it, it's just, it has everything in eight minutes and it doesn't feel like an eight minute song. I just thought of a great analogy. Ride the Lightning is like Jordan, but playing for North Carolina. And he hits that shot <laughs> exactly. against Georgetown that basically sets the destiny for his entire career. Puppets right. is like Jordan in like winning rookie of the year on the Bulls. It's not quite right. the Black, the yeah. Black album would be Jordan's first championship in 91. But, Puppets is like Jordan in the pros winning the slam dunk contest, flying through the air like a fucking alien. Would Saint Anger be Jordan playing for the Barons? No, no, Saint, no, Saint Anger is Jordan playing for the Wizards. That's true. I, that's true. I, yeah, I was gonna say, what was his minor league album? What was uh, dude, I'm wearing the jersey album? right now, bro. This is Jordan's jersey, dude. Yeah, Birmingham, Birmingham Barons. <laughs> there you go. So wait, yeah, so wait, the Saint Anger is his Wizards out. Album you said that's got to be when he went back to the wizard. I, I I don't know what his I don't know what his baseball stint would be in the Metallica world. Maybe the We Did It Again, uh, Ja Rule collab. 
<laughs> you know what's sad is that between Metallicast and Tom had me on for an episode of his a while back. So between our two shows, I've done two episodes on We Did It Again. <laughs> Who voluntarily does that wow. to themselves? How much is Who there to say about it other that? than that it's not we good? Couldn't get, we couldn't well, get it's through funny, that part of that episode fast enough. <laughs> it, it's funny because Richard S.C., again, I shouted him out before. He's been a frequent guest. He wrote that article on St. Anger. So he, I had him come on. We did a St. Anger track by track. And I said, hey, man, if you're willing, hang out a little bit longer and we'll record like a quick mini episode about we did it again and i'll just throw it out like you know with the episode we talked for 45 minutes wow <laughs> about so we like, did it again i'm like i'll just i guess i'll just count this as the next episode but it what did we talk about i mean we really analyzed the lyrics of ja rule wow um, wow picked them apart uh, we wondered why it was I now see now I'm forgetting the lyric off the top of my head. The rap police are going to be after me, you know, because they all hold uh, that song in high regard. Oh, but, yeah. Um, right. Uh, it, it, there's a line like bragging about driving like 55 on the highway. I'm like, that's oh, under the speed dude. limit on most highways, you know, like, <laughs> dude, that's, yeah. even, even Sammy Hagar couldn't do that. Yeah. He had a whole hit song about how he couldn't drive 55. <laughs> couldn't do that. Dude, talk about shitty lyrics. Here's the first opening gambit lyric of that song. One foot on the brake and one on the gas. Yeah. That's, I can't drive 55, dude. Foot and then on there's... the get brake, foot on the gas. Yeah. Which is not a great way to drive. You, you don't hit yeah. both pedals at the same Kinda time. Kind of cancels each other out a little bit. I, I, uh, I think he's saying he's ready to do either. Maybe so. I might are we, think we, that we about that to that do 45 might... minutes on I can't drive 55? Maybe that might are. also be the reason why he can't. Welcome to Metal Gear Because he's driving wrong. Dude, Sammy, we identified the problem. You got to do one or the other, bro. Sammy, seriously. Yeah, that is a dilemma. And just use one, I bet foot, you, one foot. I bet for you Jerule could help him out. Yeah. Well, yeah. He could help him out. He, we did it again. Yeah. We <laughs> talked about we that, did it again, again. <laughs> I think my the most awkward, or there's a lot of awkward parts that we did it again, but I think the most awkward part is when they edited in James Nevermore, Your Whipping Boy. Yeah. Like it has nothing to do with anything going on in that song it's a pretty rough collaboration it really yeah. is i wish it weren't but it just is it just is yeah all right, all right so let's move on we'll... before i do a third episode about this <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think we just started one we could cut it off short yeah. so now on to the i would argue more revealing top 10 which yeah. is not the top 10 you'd play for an alien not the top 10 that you think uh would impress the metal police your personal top 10 metallica songs so I think Ethan, ours had all kinds of weird surprises, right? Mine had like attitude, yeah. The closing, or not the closing, the closing kind of rock song on Reload. What were some of the weird ones on your list, Ethan? Do you remember like a? I had I had three of the three instrumentals, instrumentals on mine. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and this is something that's that's ever changing. I mean, I could yeah. I could have made another list the next day, and it probably would have changed. But you didn't. I didn't. I, I kept true to my word. So my list is a little crazy because good. I approach it as not all time but as oh, like, fuck. i just realized we did it again might be on brandon's list oh my gosh it <laughs> just dawned on me holy it shit can spoiler be. alert it's not okay but i i approach it as like 10 songs of theirs that if i if i if i was going to listen to 10 metallic songs right now here's what i would prefer to listen to that's it that's the list um so yeah there's, it, i think there's a lot of there might be some surprises on here the I definitely stray from some of the standards, if you will. Good. Uh, so, no, should I start number? Yeah, let's go. Number 10 let's here? jump in. Yeah, go for it. Uh, so, number ten is kind of a standard classic track, "Motor Breath." Okay. Um, 
I'll you know, again, I've been kind of going down the kill them all road, and uh, that's just such a short, fun, short and sweet. Short and sweet. Love it. It's basically their punk rock song. Yeah, absolutely. Number nine. Number nine. First left turn, maybe, is uh, Rebel of Babylon. Wow. Some uh, Beyond Magnetic. Beyond Magnetic, yeah. So I just did uh, my most recent Metallicast episode that came out was actually uh, a look at all four songs on Beyond Magnetic. And that was sort of the first time I had listened to all those four songs in a row. in Ooh, metal police I, I think the um, sirens are in the distance <laughs> I, think I hear them oh shit <laughs> but rebel of babylon uh the four songs definitely stands out to me and uh uh there's this rumored lane steely connection with the lyrics yeah, right um and seems to be about it, drug addiction and yeah and, and i've and i discovered when i really jumped into all four of these songs there's a lot of that that creeps into all four of these so it kind of gives you kind of uh uh a hint as to where James's headspace was, but right, yeah, Rebel Babylon. I think that's a really that's a killer choice, man. That that is definitely. I think my my favorite. I, I'd have to go with Hell and Back as my favorite Beyond Magnetic song, but Rebel of Babylon is for sure killer. Very yeah. eerie. It's also yeah. one of the long. It's like I think it's in the top three or four longest Metallica songs. Right, like, right. So Suicide and Redemption and Puppets and To Live Is to Die. Yeah, it's super I just long. Love, it's like nine minutes. I love the melody and the verses and. I think it's a little bit different than like your standard Metallica track in a lot mm. of ways. Could you see it on Death Magnetic? Like, or any of those songs on that EP? Could you see as sort of maybe replacing, uh, I don't know, Judas Kiss or Suicide and Redemption or something? Maybe this one, maybe taking the place of the instrumental, um, but not really. I, I it's funny when I listened back to this EP, I was like, I like all four songs. They're both solid. But they're both not, to me, at the level most of the other death magnetic material is. Um, I, I I feel like, you know, they always talk about how they kind of like finesse material for load and reload. Right. I think they could have like kind of finessed these songs a little bit more yeah. and maybe done something with them. But it's like, you know, why force it? With that said, I think for leftovers, so to speak, um, these are really solid. Yeah. Very um, solid leftovers for sure. And uh, it, it just shows you, like, it makes me wonder, like, did they write anything that didn't make the cut? Like, what, what's what's the C level songs? Because I think the B level songs are pretty, pretty, they're pretty solid. dang good. I, yeah. I could maybe see Helen back replacing uh, Suicide and Redemption on the record. Yeah, Suicide and Redemption is easy, easily the weakest song on the album. It, it's like they yeah. just did that because they were trying to do that. Rick Rubin fourth songs, the ballad. The first songs, the thrash yeah. opener. The last song's a thrash barn burner. I think they were just really doing the lightning uh, puppets justice template. Yeah, yeah, for yeah. sure. And I to... think that's... Go ahead. Sorry, I, I was just going to say, I think that's like sort of my biggest criticism towards it. It seems like a little bit forced at times. Yeah. Um, In making it fit that template. Yeah, right. Like you were saying. I think that's fair, yeah. All right, number eight. Number eight is another standard. We mentioned it before, Creeping Death. Creep. Um, it's funny. This song is well, was like one of my favorites growing up listening to Metallica. And then for some reason, I just kind of didn't listen to it as much. And uh, probably just because I listened to it, you know, billions of times and just sort of was checking out other tunes and other whatever. 
but I've, I've kind of gone back to it in recent months and I just am really digging it all over again. I think Metallica Mondays has played a big role in that because I kind of feel like this is like kind of one of the standard tracks for sure. They maybe moved away from a little bit in the live setting and worldwide. Like, it, you know, they're not cranking out like they are from the bell tools or it was in a, um, if I recall correctly, it was in a, it was in a rotating slot. I yeah. can't remember what they rotated it with. Maybe Harvey, but yeah, they were rotating it. It wasn't guaranteed. Yeah. So it, it just, but in recent months it's just really come back full force for me. Yeah. I just love that track. I mean, what's not to love about it's it? It's a I mean, pretty classic. It's a pretty perfect metal song. Yeah. Any song that talks about the land of Goshen dudes. I mean, I'm in, <laughs> yeah. is it a mortal combat? <laughs> Is there a more combat level? I don't know. It's just the land of Goshen. It's awesome. All right, number seven. Now, number seven, uh, I, I think you'll appreciate this one. Uh, Where the Wild Things Are. Ooh. Love it. Um, Love it. So it's funny. So, you know, we mentioned that I have a, a nine-month-old daughter, um, and I have just play her every music. Anything like from you know, Rain and Blood, to, God Hates Us All, Christ Illusion. I, I, she she's heard she's heard everything from black metal, yeah, to jazz. You know, um, and, and some songs are just background noise for her. Some songs are she will actually like kind of perk up and be like, oh, she's like shows an interest in. Um, and uh, where the wild things are, she was a newborn. I brought her home. She was crying, fussing. I'm trying to figure out what the hell I'm doing with my life I and know that I'm just like yeah. playing music and trying to find and then all of a sudden the song came on I'm like and she just stopped oh wow and I was like oh do you do you like this and what's funny is that what's become um it, I'll, I gotta shout you guys out because uh I created this like relaxed playlist for her which is like probably like six songs that uh she just seems to kind of calm down with and your guys cover of where the wild things are made the cut. No shit. Really? Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. Oh, it's man. in there. It's in there with uh blackbird by the Beatles and uh, just the way you are by Billy Joel. Wow. Um, that's awesome. So yeah, it, it made the cut. She, she'll, she'll, she'll hear the guitar and she's like, Oh yeah. yeah. And then she gets really excited and starts shaking. Yeah. Uh, that's so awesome. that song, that song. Uh, and then of course the lyric material and stuff, it just, since becoming a father, I, I that song is just kind of totally because yeah for for those of you who don't know that song as well it's it's a song sung from the point of view of ki- of a kid right of mm-hmm. it's it's about their toys coming to life it's very scary all children touch the sun burn yeah. fingers one by one it's interesting so it talks about like a waking up sleepy head and yeah it's time to save your world it's really cool time to go like, to the potty. Of- <laughs> it's time to go pee pee poo poo yeah that's that was a rejected verse actually yeah, yeah. man that's that really cool yeah all right uh number six i mentioned before bleeding me um mm. but i i went with the helping hands acoustic version yeah um to mix it up i i i, I love love the acoustic version of this james's voice on it and the chorus is just top-notched a lot of soul um, I, I think, uh, not to go on a riff here, but it, I mentioned this before Metallica James is like a very underrated soulful singer. Sure. And, uh, I think he really shows that in the acoustic version of this. Yeah. And like I said, it's one of my favorite Metallica songs of all time. And it's because he didn't really start, he didn't really start doing it until black album, but he didn't really kill it until load and reload that. Yeah. Very buttery, sultry thing that he mm-hmm. sort of climaxed with S and I think, but. Yeah, those first big records were just more barky. 
which yeah, which well, is killer. But he didn't have a lot of opportunity to sing that way. Yeah, right. for sure. I mean, what what gravitates me more towards the old albums are the riffs, the solos, yeah, the, the power, the compositions, the energy the, for sure, the epic sound, the epicness of it all. Yeah, what gravitates me towards Load Reload are more the lyrics, the voice, the emotion. Yeah. You know. So yeah, I went with the acoustic version of that for number six, and then I followed it up with another Helping Hands version, their cover of When a Blind Man Cries. Oh my god, I love that cover, dude. Ooh, Deep nice purple. choice. It's uh I, I I I'm not sure if there's any band that consistently does covers as great as Metallica does. Man, they really the, do crush it when they record them. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like when they rearrange them. Yeah. I was just having this conversation on my show with somebody for an episode that's going to be out soon. And uh, we were just talking about Garage Inc. for a little bit. And, you know, we're like, how many bands? Usually when a band comes out with a cover album, you're like, that's eh, kind of like a cash grab. It's right? kind of There's lame. very few people yeah, that lame. can that can really add something to these songs. And Metallica is definitely one of those bands. And, and, and like Turn the Page is a perfect example, right? Like you, you, you can take it. I think it's kind of easier to take like an obscure Diamond Head song. And kind of making your own just because of people's lack of familiarity with it. But like Turn the Page is like a classic song in its own by Bob Seger. Right. right? And, and and I feel like there's so many people now like, oh, yeah, I like that Metallica song, Turn the Page. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you know? Well, and they also uh, but, dis- other. I mean, that's a, a, a bad example because that song was so big. But they were historically pretty good at choosing songs that were pretty obscure. Yeah, oh, right. you know, Ethan yeah. has a story that the 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 two tr- was Am I Evil and Blitzkrieg maybe that what were the two that came out on the Kill 'Em All reissue? A- Am I Evil and, Bl- and Blitzkrieg? Uh, and you thought those were Metallica songs? A lot well, of people, I, I did, yeah, because that reissue they, it, it, it was a part of the track listing of Kill 'Em All, and so many, I yeah, thought totally. these were Metallica songs. That that was my first intro to it. And how many people heard had, knew the song Crash Cor- Crash Courts and Brain Surgery, or you know, Free Speech right. for the Dumb? You know, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, for me. They, that was Metallica was my introduction to the Misfits. Yeah, yeah. same. You know, me like, too. I, I I love the Misfits. I would I would call them probably my favorite punk band. But I I mean I know Last Crest Green Hell originally from Metallica. Yeah, yeah. Right. yeah. Same. Same seas. Same okay. seas. Right, number four. One. So number four, I went with uh, you know this is what I'm currently listening to. I went with uh, the S and M two version of moth into flame. They just released. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm gnawing at the bit for any S and M two I can get. Um, it, you know, it was cool hearing nothing else matters. Love the song, love the arrangement, but you know, we, we heard it on yeah, the first. I'm, I'm good. I'm good on that. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, so hearing the, the other two new songs was a real treat. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure moth into flame works as well as some of the other songs. And for the symphony arrangement, but I've really been digging. I think the band sounds fantastic on the recording. Yeah. Um, and I've just been spinning and trying to like pull out all the little nuances that the strings are adding and the horns and the whole kit and caboodles. They right. Say, you know, first time I believe kit and caboodle has ever been uttered as a phrase <laughs> on metal up your podcast. <laughs> I think it's the first time it's been uttered in about <laughs> in 25, 40 30. years. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Since We're the, get the whole kit and caboodle. You see? <laughs> yeah. See, extra, extra. Read all about it. See? <laughs> okay. Top three, top three right now. Uh, again, I mentioned this one before broken beat and scarred. Mm. Um, I could sort of, uh, the song came on shuffle not that long ago. Um, and, I was just like, oh yeah, this song's really good. 
And uh, I, like I said, I love the melody. I think it's a very uh, powerful song. I think it's a great live song, again, that I wish they would pull out more. Uh, but yeah, Broken Beat and Scarred. Great, great tune. Love that one. All right. My, uh, my second spot um, is a classic off my all-time favorite Metallica album. Sweet heroes. Amber. Oh, well, sorry. What? <laughs> I was actually just making notes of like, I was just noticing that there was no puppets on your list, but here we are. Disposable Heroes. That's what do you think about the All Within God. My Hands version of that? It's pretty different. Yeah, I, I like it. It's cool. I like it. Yeah. And, and see, what I like about the Metallica acoustic shows is that for the most part, they'll take like a Thrasher song and completely rearrange it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I've said this before on Metallica. I, I like Megadeth. They're... They're honestly one of my favorite metal bands, but I shit on them a lot because they're an easy target. Did someone and, say uh, Megadeth? What are y'all talking about <laughs> over there? My palms and her kneecaps are getting sweaty. Ooh. <laughs> you got to get the ooh in there. and the little, ah. I've just been hanging out at the Hangar 18. <laughs> anyway, peace cells. Who's buying? Dude, you, in this <laughs> economy? <laughs> <laughs> His record titles have that mustaine, like he think, you know, like biz- what is the killing's my business? Business is good. I'm like, dude, do all your records have to do that? They're, uh, yeah, they do. They, there's a uh, fun. It is fun. He likes buy. to take a risk. so far, so good. <laughs> so what? So what? <laughs> so far, so good. So what? Amazing, dude. Just like the Pine Piper. Anyway, <laughs> well. Easy target. Who says, um, did someone say something about an easy target? <laughs> <laughs> well, I always say, uh, so on Metallicast, we frequently go off on Dave Mustaine tangents and impressions. And uh, before you know, I'm like, oh, I think this is Megadeth cast now. We've been talking about mm-hmm. Dave for, we've been riffing on Dave for 15 minutes. But um, we've had people uh, write in and tell me to quit picking on Dave. Yeah. People <laughs> I swear to God, people have written in and been like, you need to leave Dave alone. I'm like, That's well, not cool. <laughs> it's funny because I'm like, people are like, oh, would you ever have a uh, Mustaine on your show? I'm like, obviously, I, I don't think he would do it, but I'm like, I think hell yeah, it'd be awesome to talk to him. Yeah, He's, he is like, I, I, I love, I love most of Megadeth's music, not so much over the last 10 to 15 years, but um, I love a lot of their 80s, 90s output and uh, it, it'd be a dream to talk to him. But I'd like if, if he ever got wind of what I've said about him on the podcast. I will completely burn that bridge. <laughs> I mean, we're in the same boat, bro. No. Nope. Oh yeah, for sure. No worries there yeah. for sure. Dude, tell us about the time you smoked hash out of a hole in the ground with Lars. And then you cried on some kind of monster. <laughs> I've heard about you guys. I've heard you. Cu- I just missed my little Danish friend. <laughs> <laughs> well, I heard you guys were making fun of me on your podcast. Nice story. <laughs> Talented Spotify music. I like how we can all do a Mustaine impression that is completely different, but you, but everybody can tell we who know it we, is. We know who it is. Yeah, I stick yeah. with the Marge Simpson, uh, yeah, variation. That's sort it's of kind of yeah, it's about. kind of Marge Simpson. I was just wondering how we got to this point, but then I remembered. Oh, the acoustic versions. Yeah. Um, so I, I use this as an example of Metallica. So I'm like, I, well, everybody I heard, knows you know, I wrote Call of Cthulhu. <laughs> <laughs> oh, by the way, it was called is, When Hell Freezes Over. So what? This is separate from uh, what I was going to say, but check out the Megadeth song When, W H E N, when. It, it's Am I Evil meets the Call of Cthulhu. Okay. 
Okay. Like, well, because exact. wasn't Call of Cthulhu, didn't he regurgitate that riff on Hangar 18? Yeah, yeah the, the chords yeah. are the kind of climbing thing. The are pretty much the same. It's, and they're both in D minor, the saddest of yeah. all keys. That's But I, I just remember hearing Megadeth acoustic. Ugh. It, it, I mean, vocals aside, Dave doesn't have the best vocals for an acoustic setting. No right. kidding. Um, no but, kidding. Um, the, the arrangements are unchanged. So they're playing Skin of My Teeth, and it's just on acoustic guitars. I'm like, there's, there's nothing to that. Like, oh, it, Symphony of Destruction. Like, yeah, totally. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Symphony of Destruction. It's like the the like the like great part about that riff is the power, but like, you got to get the crunch. You got, I'm like, on acoustic guitar, just, you got to rearrange it. Yeah, you know? So that's right. why I love what Metallica does. Yeah, and you wouldn't, I mean, Metallica probably wouldn't, if they played, uh, a version of Master of Puppets, they wouldn't on acoustic be like, right? Like what they did with Disposable Heroes and actually rearrange yeah, case the song. In point. Yeah, case in it. point, because Dis- Disposable Heroes is almost unrecognizable uh, yeah. compared to Puppets, which is kind of what you want. I mean, yeah. Right. First of all, that riff is just in fucking insane. It's it's definitely one of their most insane, especially that B the that kind of B yeah. section. Yeah. To hear them sort of turn it into that weird swampy creepy thing was really cool and took to a lot I of imagination right or, or the four horsemen is a great four horsemen for sure that too. Yeah. like they basically turn it into like a almost like a pseudo rockabilly yeah song right. with like a country twang i'm like how did you're talking about the, like that, the poor you know? retouring me ver- yeah they yeah, yeah. they kind of did that acoustic yeah. set yeah yeah totally, totally bro. all um, right number one current number metallica one, song Actually, number one sort of ties in with what we were just talking about because I went with the SM2 version of All Within My Hands. Dude, killer. Uh, nice. I, I just, I, it, it's funny. I was just saying on um, every month we've been doing, a, I've been doing a live stream um, and releasing it like within 24 hours as like a podcast. Um, but on the last live stream we did, we started talking about SM2 because it was the news had just sort of come out and All Within My Hands had just come on like, I'm interested to see what versions of SM2 become sort of like the definitive versions for a lot of fans. Hmm. Um, Cause I know like for me, and again, you can call the metal police on me, um, but like the, the, the definitive version of instead call of nine one one, by the way, it's six, six, six for the kids. Out, for the kids. Out there. <laughs> Sorry. Go ahead. Unless if it's new metal, I feel like it should be like six, nine or something like that, you know? Or it could be zero 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 four. Ooh, ah, ah, ah. <laughs> nice. I think I'm going to call the metal police on you making that joke. Actually, <laughs> all right, fair enough. Um, all right, so you were saying what, what the I definitive saying? versions, like because for some people, oh, so yeah, so like the the call of Cthulhu for me, the definitive version of that song is the S and M version. Mm, great I, I version. I think it's you know like when we look at when I look at the instrumentals, Orion is perfection. Yeah. I, I, that's just a beautiful, beautiful arrangement, beautifully composed. Call of Cthulhu, I like it, but it was it never really stood out to me, even as much as I like Ride the Lightning. And then I heard the SM version; it just made it come to life for me. Yeah, when they I'm very the similar. I've, I've always preferred the SM version, and I think for me, the SM two version might eclipse it. Even that, the SM two version, dude. I only heard it the one time in the theater, but. Yeah, and maybe it was just the emotional impact of seeing them all too, and being in a on, being on the big screen. But right, the SNM two version is fucking sick, dude. Well, I mean, the original recording too is just—I mean, it's, it's very repetitive. Raw. 
And yeah. it's raw, raw. repetitive. Yeah. So M- Michael Kamen's arrangement that he wrote for S&M. It breaks it up. There's so much interesting stuff going on. It just, like you said, it takes it to a different place, man. I, I love yeah. that that version. Yeah. And I, I mentioned that because for me, like this version of All Within My Hands, I think for a lot of fans will become the definitive version um, of the song. Or like Unforgiven 3. I think, you know, SM2 will surpass the death magnetic version. I think when people hear the final mixes, um, that's just you know, a little bit of speculation. And I guess because of what I was excited about when I first heard it in theaters, but uh, all of them, my hands for sure. It's way more. Absolutely. Listenable. Although that, that there's that one section on St. Anger of the, of the song, all within my hands. that has that death tones thing. That's like one of my favorite sounds on the whole album. Yeah. That's that really drony, cool. creepy guitar, like right before the first verse. Yeah. Yeah. They never do it again. It's such a bummer, but, but yeah, you're I, right. I, when I first heard this version, it's yeah. basically the same version from the from the uh, All Within My Hands gig, right? Right. So, but it's just with a fucking orchestra, and they got that same cat singing BGVs, right? Yeah. They brought mm-hmm. that same auxiliary dude out. Yeah. yeah. It is and an it, amazing it, version, and it just really like I I loved the acoustic version because that's a, again a perfect rearrangement. Yeah. To make a song work in acoustic setting. Right. Yeah. But then the strings and the horns and the, the just the whole orchestra just really fill in all the gaps and holes and add all these counter melodies. It, it's just really really well done. Love it, man. It's a bitchin' list, dude. I mean, there's some it's really fun list. stuff on here. Rebel of Babylon, Where the Wild Things Are, When a Blind Man Cries, All Within My Hands. It's killer. I just really love the uh, Beyond Magnetic Love, man. That was yeah. a, that was that was a surprise <laughs> for me because that was something I didn't really consider when I was making my top ten. Just I didn't because either. it's yeah. not something that uh, I listen to very regularly. So uh, yeah, a very nice surprise. Again, me neither. But it's one again. It's one of those things where I'm listening to because I'm recording an episode about it and now it's fresh in my head. I'm like, Oh yeah, I, I like these songs. And I, yeah. And, and rebel just like stood out to me. I'm like, this song has a lot of meat to it. I do feel like in that way, right. It's so do it. So we can kind of start to wrap up with this, but doing the podcast and Ethan and I have talked about this a little bit. There's a sense to where, first of all, it's a gift it, as far as I consider it to do the podcast, to be able to have a platform, talk about one of my favorite bands have people who actually listen to it. It's an amazing honor that I treat with utmost respect. But it is a weird, it augments your fanship in a way that it would not have happened if you hadn't done the podcast. Because because you are committed to doing a good show over at Metallicast, you're listening and thinking about Metallica in ways you wouldn't if you weren't doing that. Yeah. You're researching shit. You're having to like, in an era where you might not listen to Kill Em All for 24 hours straight, you're doing that because you got Johnny Z on the show and maybe Mark, whoever the next day and you want to be prepared. That's right, just I, sort yeah. of artificially impacting how you engage the band. And I think that can totally. have a negative side to it. It can it can burn you out. For it sure. can make when you do have that free time where you might have listened to Metallica, you might be like, dude, I'm just gonna listen to some fucking Taylor Swift or whatever it is, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So how do you how do you mitigate and navigate sort of the burnout aspect of this gig? That's a great question. I, I, I do, uh, you know, you do encounter that sometimes because I only have so much time with between work, between my daughter um, and, you know, just do what you need to do to live life. I only have so much time these days to actually like listen to music, especially the way I want to listen to it, which is just like turn the world off. Yeah. And, immersive. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, 
so it's very hard, but I, I, I think sometimes it's, you know, I'm never going to complain about listening to Metallica. Yeah. Um, and it, it's, they're just my all time favorite band. It, they're the, they're the one band that I can put on at any point and be happy to listen to. I can't say that about any other artists. Like it, for me, I have other favorite artists, obviously some metal, some non-metal, but, uh, you know, like I, I find I go through waves with them. Like, oh, I'm I'm a really big uh, uh, Megadeth kick this month. Then I'm on to Tom Waits. Then I'm on to Johnny Cash or whatever. And but like Metallica's the one band that mainstay. So having that consistency of them, of my interest with them, greatly helps. Um, but it, it's it, it can be tough when I'm like, uh, I really want to listen to. Uh, you know, the new SM2 version, or I want to listen to this new album by this band, but you know, I feel like I have to listen to Kill 'em All. Yeah. yeah. But I, I I think what I do too to help with that is I just sort of try to gra- gravitate towards what I'm currently in the mood of for doing. Yeah. Um, like what where are my interests in that moment? Am I on a big load kick? Let's do something on load. Am I uh more into the thrash stuff? Let's do something more old school. Am um, I on a vanilla ice uh, <laughs> B side kick? Am I am I watching Ninja Turtles Part Two: Secret of the Ooze and want to dip into some ninja rap? Yes, the answer is yes. Well, it, it's it's it, it, as much as possible too. I'll pull in other stuff. So, like for example, I'm a big Nick Cave fan, and uh, he just did an awesome live stream. It was just like him piano. It was just an awesome presentation of some of his songs. Recognize it's not for everybody, um, but I loved it. He's an acquired taste for sure. Yeah. yeah. And uh, the reason I mentioned that, though, is because I've, I've since that live stream, I, I've just been like on a super Nick Cave kick again, like going back and re-listening to some of his new albums, some of his old stuff. Um, I'm like, how do I, how can, can I tie this into Metallicas? Yes, they did Lover Man. So I will. I found a a great podcast out there about Nick Cave. I think we're gonna be doing some kind of crossover thing coming up. So I try to take what I'm like currently listening to, see if I can tie it into the podcast, which also helps. I think with you know the creative part of it that I like. Right. Um, and then sometimes too, I just like doing things with like no prep. You know, like I I love doing the monthly live streams because I'm like I pick a couple things we're gonna talk about, but I don't really do any prep for it. It's just like let's just talk and see what happens um and sometimes that's a necessity for me too just so i have room and space for other things yeah right yeah, i hope cool. that answered your question didn't answer my question I, at all sorry we're no. maybe still talking I about Dave Mustaine. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was maybe a great answer and it kind of sums uh, up your whole vibe over there too you know so if you haven't already which would be insane go check out metallicast it's it's right it, it's brandon it's wherever you get all the stuff right yeah you can find on apple google spotify everywhere um if I, I do want to mention, when when will this episode be out? Tomorrow. A couple Perfect. hours. And for those listening, today. Right now. <laughs> Currently. So I want to mention this because I think, uh, well, first of all, I think you guys will dig this. And I know that your listeners will. Um, on I, I mentioned I do a monthly live stream. The live stream for August is going to be on August 28th, the release date of SNM2. It's going to be at 8 o'clock p.m. Eastern time. It's going to be on the Metallicast Facebook page at Metallicast Pod. It's going to be on our home site, Fans.Experts YouTube page. And we're going to celebrate the release of SNM 2. Is it like a and listening have, party or is it? No, I, I have two very special guests joining me from the San Francisco Symphony. 
Um, I'm going to be joined by Scott Pingle, who I believe has been on your show. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, basis of the symphony did anesthesia point teeth at SNM two. And I have Doug Ryeth, who you might not know by name, but he is the badass tattooed harpist oh, um, featured nice. in making of SNM documentary. And he's played at both SNM events, right. the original and SNM two. So they're both going to be joining me for the live stream. There'll be, uh, you know, as live stream does, there'll be a live chat so you can interact, ask questions. It's going to be a really fun time. I'm awesome. Super excited to talk. It's to cool. Them. So if you're available the night of SNM two, August 28th, eight o'clock PM Eastern time, check it out. If you miss it cause you're busy or, uh, you know, time difference or whatever, it will be out as a podcast within 24 hours. That's awesome. awesome man. That'll That's be so cool. What's the date of that again? Oh, the 28th. So when it comes out, yeah, the 28th, 8, 8 PM night. Eastern time, 8 PM Eastern time. Well, when that gets closer, I'm sure you'll have some links and we'll, happily share all those on our socials too and maybe if totally. uh thank you we're hanging around we can come visit and hang out and he- heckle you from the comment section oh yeah <laughs> just be a metal police is here yeah orchestra the, the, li- the live stream police dude fuck that i'm not i don't want to gig with the metal police if i'm the if enemy. i if i <laughs> they're my enemy if i if i see a, a dave mustaine pop up in the chat i'll assume it's one of you if you just see a guy asking Scott Pingle a lot of questions about Michael Jordan's <laughs> jump shot, you'll know it's me. <laughs> All right. Everyone go check out Metallicast. It was so nice having you, Brandon. Long time. Thank in, you so in much the, for having me, In guys. the workings. And we're so glad that there are people like you out there holding it down for Metallica and uh, and uh, providing yet more interesting conversations about this band that we all love. So we wish you a lot of success in the future. I'm sure our paths will cross again. And uh, I guess we'll just end it right there and say peace. Adios. Yeah, thank you so much, guys, for having me on. It's much appreciated, and uh, I'm happy to be a part of this community. <laughs> if you were our advisor, what would you say? Then I would say, delete that. <laughs> <laughs>